0: Digital Gonzo, episode 108, dated Sunday the 4th of November 2012.
1: Firefly, part three, Serenity. Hi, I'm Joss Whedon. Uh, Before we begin this special screening, I have a little story I want to tell you. Um, It's about a TV show called Firefly. Firefly uh, went on the air a few years ago and was instantly hailed by critics as one of the most cancelled shows of the year it was ignored and abandoned and the story should end there, but it doesn't Um, because the people who made the show and the people who saw the show, which is roughly the same number of people, fell in love with it a little bit. Too much um, to let it go. Too much to lay down arms when the battle looked pretty much lost. Um, In Hollywood, People like that are called unrealistic, uh, quixotic, obsessive. Um, in my world, they're called brown coats. Now, whether you watched the show or saw the DVDs or whether you've never set foot in the Firefly universe before tonight, the fact that you're here means that you're part of something, something that's a little bit remarkable. This movie should not exist. Uh, Failed TV shows don't get made into major motion pictures unless the creator, the cast, and the fans believe beyond reason. That's what I've felt. It's what I've seen in the, um, the DVD sales, the booths at the cons run by fans, the websites, and the fundraisers. All the work the fans have done have helped make this movie. It is, in an unprecedented sense, your movie. Which means, if it sucks, it's your fault. You blew it. Uh, You let us down, but let's not dwell on your failures because the work is not done. Um, I have to finish making it. Uh, This is not quite the final cut, and you will notice some placeholders in music and effects. Um, But we're very close. Once we are finished, I have to get people to see it. Now, obviously, the studio is gonna do their thing. There'll be ads and trailers and all of that joy, but this movie doesn't have stars and it doesn't have a giant mega budget or even a simple saleable premise. What it has is us, the people who believed unreasonably. Um, if this movie matters to you, let somebody know. Let everybody know make yourselves heard. If you don't like the movie, this is a time for quiet, for months of silent contemplation. But when the unfinished credits roll, if you still call yourself a brown coat, remember the millions of people who don't, who might, I want us to do this together. The cast is going to be appearing wherever they can. I'm going to be blogging and stumping and whatever I can think of. We've got um, can'tstopthesignal.com up and running, I'm fairly certain. Um, We're all doing everything we can to make this the event that it should be. Because remember, they tried to kill us. They did kill us, and here we are. We have done the impossible, and that makes us mighty. Thank you for helping to get this movie as far as it's gotten. Welcome to Serenity. Welcome back to The Good Ship
0: Digital Gonzo with me, your captain, Alex Shaw. Tonight, we finish off the discussion on the cult show that got cancelled, and then thanks to the love of its fans and renewed interest in sci-fi, got bought back as a major motion picture. Star Trek was then followed by its even better sequel, The Wrath of Khan, with eight more mixed degrees of success, until finally the original TV series was reimagined in 2009, with the classic crew, receiving critical and office success. Serenity also happens to be a film that fits the bill, well, at least the first part of it, so we should probably talk about that instead. For those who haven't seen it, major spoilers lie ahead. I really heartily suggest... You watch the film first. This is not like with Firefly, where there's not too much to spoil. There is stuff to spoil in this one. And it'll take you... I mean, even if you've never seen Firefly, you could just sit down and watch this. It'll take you two hours. It'll cost you three pounds. Not an issue. Watch Serenity, one of my all-time most recommended films. Everybody got that? Okay. Our six big damn heroes return. From the all-new cast our JRPG-loving lieutenant... Leah Haydo.
2: I aim to misbehave.
0: From the all-new Dorkcast, the iPhone-wielding courtesan, Sharon Shaw. Good evening. From Dorkcast and Dorktunes, the man who only stops work to play basketball and podcast, Mr. Matt Ramsey. Howdy. From Kane and Rince, animation and gaming aficionado and long-time proponent of The Wire, Dr. Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And from Game Burst, the man who hates Mercenaries, Disney, Metal Gear Solid 3, the good version of Battlestar Galactica, and YouTube but does love hackers, nevertheless a man whose views I trust, Mr. Gary Blower. Thank
3: you very much. I'm neither Fante or Mingo.
0: Although you are the pretty one. <laughs> Once again, this is going to be a clean show unless you speak Mandarin Chinese, in which case... Du Now, I'm going to start this one off, actually, with a note from Mr. Tony Atkins. I actually cut out of the first show the origin of our... Uh, getting into Serenity, because it took about 10 minutes and didn't really go anywhere. But I will say that I was an imbecile back in the early 2000s and didn't watch Firefly when it was first out. And then when Serenity came out, I didn't watch it at the cinema. I was all about Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And then eventually, Tony and Liz put the HD DVD of Serenity in my hands and said, really, watch it. I watched it. It was fantastic. So I want to say thank you very much to Tony and Liz for getting us into Fireflight, we eventually listened to you. Um, But I asked them, yeah, I asked them both, but I asked Tony specifically on Twitter yesterday that I remembered them being angry when Serenity first came out. Now everyone who's seen Serenity, again, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, go now. Come back after you've seen it. Uh, And I asked them, why did it make you angry? And he wrote me a big, long email about it. My response isn't a simple one. You see, Liz and I were really into Firefly before seeing Serenity. We were one of the few people that tracked its development from pages to production and eventually hitting the small screen. This is because Liz was a major Buffy fan beforehand and then an Angel fan, so she was well into Joss Whedon. This, of course, was mainly down to Joss Whedon's involvement in the project, and as fans of both Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, and Angel, we were very much interested in seeing what this next big space opera project of his was. So we followed it through the usual sources, SFX magazine and the fledgling internet, and sadly we saw it come and go almost as quickly as it was conceived. But thankfully, a DVD release was announced and was only mere months away, so we waited patiently and finally imported the NTSC version from the States, and as well you know, it was fantastic. We watched it many times over, uh, over two years, each viewing gradually getting better and better. That, I found that as well, the more I watch Firefly, the better it gets. Uh, So to say we, we were excited for Serenity is a bit of an understatement. So the day finally came for Serenity, and we paid our money and sat down and watched in awe at how Joss Whedon had managed to salvage the characters and keep the brand going. That was, of course, until he stuck a pole through Wash's chest, thus killing the character, and in our mind, the series outright. What transpires is that Serenity wasn't a last-ditch attempt to make Fox change their minds and bring the cast and crew back for the new series. It was, in effect, a love letter and a farewell message to those that had believed in the vision. So when you say we were angry after seeing it, the anger wasn't due to the quality of the product. It was, in fact, the realisation that there wasn't going to be any more. And there are still so many questions that were yet to be answered. That, of course, was a long time ago, and after many viewings and purchasing every version of this film that has been released, even the UMD... We love the film, and it is in fact all the better for that powerful moment when Wash dies. Serenity is everything the Star Wars prequels should have been, and should be seen by many, many more people than just the die-hard fans of Joss Whedon's, which it seemed to have attracted. Now, I I mention that here because, A, it's a close link to the people that actually got me into this, and to who, you know, Sharon and I are a debt, and thus everyone... Uh, of you guys. I mean, ultimately, it shaped Digital Cowboys. We called the show Digital Cowboys in reverence to Firefly and Serenity. Um, but it's also something that's a story that will be familiar to a lot of people who went in to see Serenity and came out going, WHAT?! And uh, Joss Whedon actually mentioned on one of the commentaries that uh, he got cornered by a couple of fans who gave him the psycho peepers at the very end of Serenity and said, why'd you do that? why did you make us hurt? <laughs> But the very fact that they felt that much about it tells him that he did the right thing. And it was for various reasons that we'll go into in a bit. I'll just give you a few bits of notes on the actual bringing it to the screen and then we will go in with the bullet points and I will take you guys through the film and we can talk about that. When attempts to have another network acquire the show failed, creator Joss Whedon attempted to sell it as a film. Through a business connection, he was introduced to Mary Parent with Universal Pictures, who immediately signed on after watching the episodes on DVD. Now, Mary Parent, remember that name, because she was the godmother of this project in terms of being able to get it done. She had faith in Joss after seeing the show, which is something that seemingly no one else did. Without her saying, yeah, go for it, without her believing in it, Serenity May not have happened at all, but certainly wouldn't have happened like it did. After Universal acquired the film rights from Fox, which must have been quite difficult, Whedon began writing a screenplay. His task was to explain the premise of a television series that few had seen without boring new viewers or longtime fans. He based a story on original story ideas for Firefly's unfilmed second season. Whedon's original script was 190 pages and attempted to address all major plot points introduced in the series. After presenting the script to Universal under the title... Anyone? No
4: idea.
0: The Kitchen Sink. (laughs) in terms of he literally put everything in it. Whedon was asked to cut down the script to a size filmable under his budgetary constraints. So let's see, 190 pages. Each page translates to a minute. That's what? Three and a bit hours? Principal photography, I would still love to see that version of it. It answered all of the questions, apparently. Principal photography began in June 3rd, 2004. Whedon announced that the film would be titled Serenity to differentiate it from the TV series. Whedon also mentions on the Serenity DVD commentary that Fox still owns the rights to the name Firefly. All nine principal cast members from the television series returned for the movie, some more than others. Although Glass and Tudyk could not commit to sequels, leading to the death of their characters in the script. In fact, Ron Glass mentions on one of the commentaries that he had to be talked into it in the end. He wasn't sure about doing the film, and they pretty much... Basically, Nathan and Joss tag-teamed him until he gave in. Zoic... (coughs) Last bit. Zoic Studios, the CG rendering company that produces the graphics for the series, had to perform a complete overhaul of their computer model of Serenity, as the television model would not stand up to the high-definition scrutiny of cinema screens and high-definition video resolution. And thank God that they did. Because my first question is, from small screen to big screen,
5: what has changed? Y'all got on this boat for different reasons. But y'all come to the same place. So now I'm asking more of you than I have before. As sure as I know anything, I know this. I am to misbehave. sister under my protection here
6: the only people she's a threat to is us on this boat
7: it isn't safe they're coming
5: i think we better go where are you hiding little girl the lions wanted the reason they shouldn't have sent an assassin every
8: minute you keep river tam from me more people will die this was your fault
5: I don't murder children.
8: I do. The Alliance has gone to
5: enormous trouble to find you, friend. You'll know what it is you're carrying. You know that girl. She is a mite unpredictable. Mood swings of a sort. It's worse than you know. It usually is.
8: It's a fair bet the Alliance knows what's coming.
5: No. They're not gonna see this coming. Let's be bad guys. We're not alone. No more running. This is gonna get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all gonna die?
9: I want to resolve this like civilised men. I'm not threatening you. I'm unarmed. Good.
8: It feels bigger, if that makes any sense. The scale is so much larger. And you can tell that, Not, it's not the first shot of the movie, but after the title comes up, Serenity, and it pans back and you see the ship, you get a sense that, Right, this has got some money behind it. This isn't like Firefly where they were using roof boxes as coffins and stuff like that. They can a- they can actually afford to deliver the vision that was inside Joss Whedon's head.
2: And on one hand, I like that. And on another hand, I kind of don't because that's... I, I think I've talked about this a little bit in the other shows, but that's kind of part of what makes it so perfect is that's how the ship itself is. It's supposed to be kind of not together. It's not supposed to be bright and shiny and HD. And I, I just, I think it loses something honestly by, by being prettied up like that. I don't, I, I mean, it, there's, there's really no way to get around it because if you're going to have a big screen production like that, then it needs to look good and it does look good. It looks very good. And you know, there, there's definitely something to be said for that, but I, I don't know. I, I like the movie a little bit less than the series for that. Well, for several reasons, but for that, uh, in in large part.
4: I wasn't massively keen on the hovercraft mule. I know it's, it's a, a relatively small thing, but I quite liked the the quad bike one that they had. It, it seemed like something that they would have just picked up for cheap somewhere and and chucked to the cargo hold to, you know, transport stuff when they needed to. And having that big. Slightly fancy hovercraft four-seater job. Um, it, it, it almost made it seem like they'd come up in the world, which they haven't really.
3: Well, they could they could have stolen it, I suppose.
4: Yeah. still yeah, most true. things. Yeah, true.
6: <laughs> and also, Serenity herself uh, changed. There was uh, the the Med Bay area was was bigger. There was a, a sort of a, a seating area that wasn't there in the series. Uh, the med bay itself was, was different, um, and that, that didn't really sit right for me at the beginning. Was as, you, as you're following Mouth through the ship, uh, and you're seeing that they've actually changed the design of the interior, which seemed odd uh, and, and, and unnecessary, to be honest.
0: Colour scheme's slightly different as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more sort of the cold blues yeah. and
6: less of the rusty browns. It's cleaner it's it's not as it's not as yeah it's not as cobbled together it's it's instead of rusty metal it's nice clean stainless steel everywhere but it is more convincing as a spaceship
10: hmm
6: but
0: it's a different spaceship is the problem <laughs> it's not the same one am I the only person who loves all of these changes yeah no I do
8: as yes. well I do I do <laughs> Aww, okay.
0: I think it
3: comes from seeing the film first I think that probably has Oh right, yeah, has I didn't too. I
6: saw the series
0: first so yeah mm. Ah, okay, well, Josh. How did I can't remember. I, how did I it go saw for the you?
6: series first. So
0: okay, so it's not just a straightforward cut and dry of whichever one you see first.
6: Well, it doesn't bother me that much, but it, it just yeah, I, I noticed it stood out to me a lot as we're following Mal through the through the ship. But,
0: Their costumes have changed as well. Um, the they've they've added more detail. There's more texture to them.
6: Well, that, that doesn't bother me because it. it it is later and you know people you know clothes wear out and they get changed so that wasn't an issue but the you know the design of a ship doesn't change and so it stood out to me but it's not a major thing and and it was it was only at the very beginning and then you know the film started cracking on and i didn't notice it but uh, yeah just just the beginning i didn't notice those changes
2: this may be something that you were going to address a little bit later but how how exactly did that work seeing gary i think were you the only one that had seen the film before you saw the rest of the series did he, Oh, that was us, too, yeah. Sharon and I. Did you? How? how? because how? <laughs> um, it just, it seemed to me, and I came out of that kind of, the first time that I saw the film, um, was right after I saw the series, and I came out of it kind of saying, yeah, you know, I, I think that you, you could go in there and just watch it and, and be perfectly fine with it, and now that I'm looking back at it, and now that I've seen it a few more times, and, and seen it recently for, for the show, I don't... It, that doesn't make as much sense to me. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering how that worked out. Because, for example, I if I had not seen the the series first, I don't think you'd really care about book like at all. And you would have less of a connection to people like Inara who aren't on the ship from the beginning and don't seem quite as, as big a part of it. It just seems like you wouldn't have as big a connection to some of these characters who don't show up quite as prominently as they did in the series or maybe aren't there from the beginning i, okay. I just i'm just wondering how, how much that affected seeing it uh before the rest of the series
3: okay okay I, I, yeah i can answer that um, his book definitely i would agree with when i when i saw the film i didn't really understand who he was but in the context of the story that didn't really matter because you just knew it was someone who was familiar to the crew um They established the relationships between the the main characters, with the exception of Inara, really early on, like in the first two minutes you know they you you, you you can tell the dynamics of the group you know from within ten minutes of the film starting um and there is a little bit of exposition which i 'm sure everyone 's noticed you know if you, once you 've seen the series, it kind of stands out, but certainly when I saw the movie that that i didn't notice that, and that helped. Set the scene for what this world was and, and, and where these people f- fitted in with, you know, within that. Um, the one thing that uh, I was surprised about once I'd seen the TV series was that Mr. Universe was a new character.
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: I thought, um, you know, having seen the movie, that he was a principal character from the TV series, when in fact, he, had, he was not in the TV series at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was those. those it was, yeah, I'd say Mr. Universe and book were the only two things really that uh, I was slightly confused about. I mean, what it did for me seeing the TV series was just give me more backstory. That's how I felt about it. It was like I was watching prequels. Yeah, if that kind of makes sense. I mean, I remember um, Mark Kermo's review of um, of the film, and he he said he'd never seen the TV series, and uh, he said that anyone could go and watch it, and. I think that was the motivation for my wife and I to go and see it, really, because you know, we were really up for a, a, good, a good science fiction film.
0: He does uh, occasionally, he's a bit blasé with his sweeping statements. What he really means is anyone smart enough to keep up with uh, a fairly intricate series of backstories could probably go and see it. well. Yes, yeah. Because you can't just go in... I, I, I don't think the average moron could go into Serenity <laughs> and get much out of
3: it. I think the average moron can't, could even go and watch... Uh, Transformers 3, (laughs) Dark the Moon (laughs) Yeah, okay, I'll maybe give you that I was thinking like Madagascar 3 or something, you know, but yeah
9: it's a funny thing, you know, they used to call um, Westerns horse operas, and which I think is a very good def- you know, description of them. It is operatic emotional confrontations set out in the desert. And this is basically an interstellar horse opera. It's all that stuff, but in space. And I liked it very much. It's really good fun. It rips along. It's visually very arresting in a kind of cartoony way. It has some genuine depth to it in its characterizations and it has lovely language. The language which is this sort of strange mix of old Western frontier uh, Speak and you know, modern sci fi dialogue. It's a very interesting future retro collision. If the TV show was half as good as the film, I honestly can't see what it was that the TV bosses didn't like about it, although. As I think Joss Whedon has said in interviews, the possibility is that it was simply too smart. And it is true that, as we know, being too smart on television isn't something that goes down well. But I I know people who, having seen Serenity, have gone out and got Firefly, the box set DVD, whatever it is, and watched all the episodes of it and said that it's absolutely fantastic. So possibly like Twin Peaks, it is something that people will then rediscover. I'm sure there's a whole army of people out there who already have discovered Firefly because apparently in certain early screenings, People who were big Firefly, Firefly fans were literally in tears in the, the auditorium. There's a, certain, there's a certain couple of things that happened that are very, very significant, which I won't give away for plot reasons. But people were being really moved. These are characters that they had already fallen in love with and they had a lot invested in. As somebody who was totally outside of that, who came to it knowing nothing about it other than the name, um, I thought it was really, really interesting, really strange, really good fun, a, a little bit over the top, for its own good sometimes. There are sometimes when the massive onslaughts of explosions and dialogues and everything get gets a little bit too much and the plot is kind of fantastically contorted. But it's, it is like kind of... Gr- it, a sort of grown-up, smart satirical sci-fi with heart, and uh, I, w- I was really pleasantly surprised by it. The tagline is "Can't stop the signal." Can you explain Can't that? stop the signal. Yeah, that, I mean, that's yeah. not very good. Is no, it? it's not. I can't explain it, but in order to do so, I'd have to give away the ending, which I won't do. It's to do with that the, there's a kind of heroic character. If they can broadcast something that get that will get out of, across the universe, it will solve a problem. Which I can't, which I won't discuss because that will give away the ending of the film. But "Can't stop the signal" is a rubbish. Tagline. Yeah, because yeah, it doesn't explain much. Um, and you no. ma- you, m- you, mental- you mentioned you mentioned Church Ledger for being in it, but it, there's not big stars in here particularly. No, no, and he's the villain, um, and he's really really good. I mean, I, they, these people may well be big stars from television, because bear in mind that I'm not entirely aware of what uh, what constitutes a big star on TV. But uh, no, it's a uh, it's 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 a funny little independently spirited left field movie that seems to have developed a mainstream following. And like I said, there there are apparently people out there who absolutely love Firefly. I mean from the people i know who've seen firefly have seen serenity they really think it's something special as somebody who'd never seen firefly i think it's you know it's really good fun
4: i didn't actually right whether i just have a really poor memory or what i don't know i did not remember that we'd seen the film before the series until Mm -hmm. alex reminded me that that was the way around we'd seen it this is going to sound a bit strange but i can't remember a time when i didn't know these people Mm-hmm. everything that I've seen now has, has integrated itself into my brain so well that it just it, it all goes together um, and I can't really extract what I thought of what I learned from the film before I saw the series it just it all winds together so convincingly
0: see I do remember a time when I uh, was only familiar with we'd actually seen the first two episodes you remember my least favourite two the pilot and uh, the train job and so, I was actually aware of who these characters were i didn 't love them yet, but we did know them
4: we right them. okay that that makes well. more sense then because i i didn 't think we'd gone into the film not knowing anything
0: no we basically we didn 't know the the complexities of them specifically we didn 't love them so I was, you know each time when a character played out in serenity, it was them proving themselves for the first time for us um, and i it 's difficult for me to suggest people start watching. Firefly or Serenity. With Firefly, people have had so long to get into it. So I think the best I can really do is these podcasts, and just say, look, rather than me giving you this from now on, just listen to the show, <laughs> rather than me giving you a big long reason, a list of reasons why this is actually worthwhile. I, I suppose I could just tell the average layperson, look, did you like the Avengers? Yes. If you like the Avengers, you could probably sit and watch Serenity without really feeling too far out of uh, out of order. Just it's a sci-fi.
3: I think that's true for those a lot of those films as well because, as you know, I'm not I'm not uh, big on comic books at all. So uh, I've been able to watch most of those films without the need for any kind of backstory. I think sometimes it may even help because you you, you come into it afresh. You come into it and an, you know a You don't have any baggage with you. Yeah, um, I you know
0: as long as it's well
3: written. Yeah, exactly. As long as it's well written and well made. I mean, I you know the, the scene at the end where Wash gets killed. You know that to me was a was was a, was a piece of was a was a great piece of melodrama within the movie. Um, I had no attachment that m- left me feeling angry. But of course, now when I
0: watch it, it's completely different. Did, were there people in the audience who went
2: no when it
0: happened? There was yeah, I was
3: yeah. one of those
2: people. Yeah,
0: yeah, there oh. was yeah. So get,
3: <laughs> And we had no context for it. I mean, like I said, we saw it in the West Ends. I think it it was quite... um, Only a couple of days after it came out. And, yeah, I I remember there being whoops and cheers at certain points. And, of course, I had no idea why they were doing that.
0: On that note, actually, regarding seeing it, if you've enjoyed The Avengers, I believe Universal could re-release this next year, next summer, and say, from the director of The Avengers, and just chuck this out again, and... Sight unseen, regardless of everything else to do with Firefly, new audiences could just wander into the cinema, and I think it would at least make back its original budget, and then thus double its original budget, minus the cost of redistributing it again. Well As soon as digital distribution comes along, boom, you've got a re-release right there.
3: Well, there's, there's precedent for that, isn't there? Because it happened with a lot of classic science fiction movies that didn't do well. I mean, the f- most famous one being Blade Runner, which was a re released three I times. I mean, the first time that came out, it was a flop. It was, it was on VHS that it found an audience. So,
10: yeah.
3: you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, when they, we're not on the, we're at the 10-year anniversary, aren't we? I think
0: We are at the 10-year anniversary of Firefly, 2000, uh, 2015, when Avengers 2 comes out, will be the 10-year anniversary yeah, yeah. I, of It wouldn't
3: surprise me if you got, like, a limited run. It does seem to be something that's increasingly happening, and I, I'm all for it, you know? Like, yeah. I have just, you know, watched, quite recently watched um, Raiders of the Lost Ark on IMAX, And uh, that was astonishing. So I'm all for bringing some of these classics back and showing them again in the cinema.
0: We saw Back to the Future, uh, not last Eurogamer, but I think it was actually two ago, wasn't it, Sharon? Yeah, it was two two Eurogamer's ago.
3: Yeah, yeah. same thing. So yeah, I'm all for it. Um, I'd rather have good old films re-shown in the cinema than bad new ones.
0: (laughs) No one (laughs) wants bad new ones. (laughs) So seeing Earth that was... Let's go back to like the very first shot. This is the first time they actually properly explained it. Uh, so again, I think actually seeing Serenity for the first time might make things a bit clearer than, than watching Firefly. Because they actually tell you, this is when it is, this is how it went. And they show it to you. And they also show you River's transition from schoolgirl into lab rat. And so you again em- immediately... You feel sorry for and empathize with River, whereas in the show it took you many, many episodes to stop thinking this girl's actually quite scary and,
4: and, ah yes, that's she cries a lot. the one thing that I think did have an impact on the way I viewed the series, having seen the film first that I knew River was this secret weapon, yeah, that did actually I think impact on how I interpreted her character because I was just waiting for her to it's it's like looking. If you, I think if you saw the series first, you would see her as this sort of slightly damaged flower, quite delicate, and and become very messed up. Um, whereas I was always kind of waiting for her to just snap and kick ass. It never quite happened.
0: Because this was the moment. Mm-hmm.
4: Yep. As, I, I just kind of feel like it had to build to that. I just...
2: For me, personally, I don't think that it... Because you... You lose that whole kind of element of discovery with River when it's right up in your face. That here's what happened to her. Yeah. You already know what's in that crate. You already know what's going to happen to her. You already you, you just it, it's all kind of set out for you. And while it, I mean that's that's not an incorrect way of viewing it, but it is completely different than if you had had gone through it the other way around. I think.
0: Well, clearly it's meant for her to have this arc and it's for it to go through it to the point where she is actually complete. But if you go around backwards, then it's a different take on her character. But it's still an acceptable take. It doesn't ruin it.
4: I do have something of a habit of seeing things all out of order as well.
0: Not like one Anakin Skywalker, who is not Darth Vader. I believe that's uh, been proven. Is that right, Matt? (laughs) (laughs) They proved it in tests. Science. Science. (laughs) Just before they put that hat on him. They switched him out with James L. Jones and Dave
11: Prouse and Bob Anderson. You're all fired! <gasps> Sweet bongo of the Congo! In fact, you were fired two years ago. That's when we were shut down by the delivery network. Yes, I'm afraid the brainless drones who run the network canceled our license. Yeah. <laughs> We were cancelled? Oh, it's terrible, just terrible. Well, clear out your desks and move along. Chop chop. (coughs) Yes? I see. Good news, everyone! Those asinine morons who cancelled us were themselves fired for incompetence. (laughs) And not just fired, but beaten up too, and pretty badly. In fact, Most of them died from their injuries. (laughs) And then they were ground up into a fine pink powder. Why? Oh, it's got a million and one uses. Ah, that soothes the fire.
7: So what does this mean for us and our many fans?
11: It means we're back on the air. Yes, flying on the air in our mighty spaceship. Yeah! We're back, baby.
0: At this point, we also meet the operative. The I suppose really the tenth major character.
8: He's kind of an amalgamation of several villains from the TV series. Because hmm. there's a bit. That, I mean, I mean, I hate to say, you know, he's black, so there's kind of the um, racist. <sighs> Um, the uh, the bounty hunter from uh, Objects in Space, um, and also I was under the misapprehension
0: that Early was actually an operative who went and became a bounty hunter, but no, not at all. He doesn't have the. Um, he's not yeah. controlled enough. He's no. He does. He doesn't have the Alliance
8: viewpoint. And there's a bit of Atherton in there as well with the swords and the very. Yeah civil way he speaks to people and his control it's a, he's a really great character as well and i forget the actor who, uh, who plays him
0: Chewychel Chewychel. Yes. Chewy. <laughs> He's
8: an he, he's it's a very understated uh, performance it's almost like he's from a different tv show or a different movie than the other characters cuz the other characters are you know they're very sarcastic and quippy where and this guy Perkins. is very um serious and and because of that because he contrasts so much with the other characters he's kind of creepy and kind of scary
0: and there's a, there's a weird there's a gentleness to him and his his eyes his eyebrows arch and when um when Mal says to him I don't kill kids he says I do but in that kind of this is something terrible that I have to do and I actually believe in it that is what is terrifying about the operative.
3: It is worth pointing out there are quite unsubtle parallels between what the alliance is about and what it's doing and what the Nazis were about and what they were doing. Yeah. yeah. The, the whole concept of building better worlds and striving for a perfection was the co- yeah. cornerstone of what, on the face of it, the uh, National Socialists were trying to do. You know, and obviously they were doing a lot more than that, but um, you know that was that was that was the ticket on which they got elected. You know, when they originally came to power. So there, you know, there are, like I said, very unsubtle parallels. But again, that has influenced cinema and you know uh, science fiction writing for the best part of the last sixty
0: seventy years, anyway. Yeah. Starship Troopers is entirely a Nazi parable. Yes. That we here focuses on the terrible things that happen when really good ideas are uh, executed very badly. It yes. Does... Which, yeah. Which, and specifically naive ideas that have very little understanding of how people work.
3: Yeah. Which uh, an accusation you could level, level at any dictatorship, you know.
0: Yeah. Sharon?
4: I was just going to say it does kind of, um, it's not. Obvious about it, but there is sort of a suggestion there that if you become, if you are left wing enough, you become right wing, and vice versa. If you see what I mean, like it's, it's, it's extremities. politics is a sphere, not a not a line.
3: Yeah, it's the extremities. You're driven mm. to the extremities, you become something which is uh, thoroughly repugnant. Yeah, mm. and you do things that you wouldn't normally do, which is what I think is the underlying message of this movie, really. <sighs>
0: We're, we we're literally only just getting to serenity at this point, we've got to step it up
3: okay. well it's because you're talking about the operative and his, it's really his motivation right and, yeah. Yeah, and the little speech he has with the Doctor which uh, tells you everything you need to know about what the Alliance stands for and what his position is within that
5: we're making a better world all of them
6: better world Young miss, I need you to go to work now. I think I may have a long
1: way to travel. Where are you hiding, little girl?
0: So then we actually get to Serenity, and then it always takes my breath away when it just goes completely black, and then the the lettering turns up, and then it pulls back out. and this incredible ship just rockets into life.
5: Seem to Did the primary them? buffer battle just fall off by graham shift
1: no Looks like. I thought Ken just checked the
5: entry code. Yeah, well, if it she doesn't get some extra yet.
1: flow from the engine room to offset the burn through, this landing is going to get pretty interesting. Defying interest. Oh god, oh god, we're all going to die. This is a captain.
5: We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and
1: then explode. Can you see the vector? I'm doing it. It's not enough. Now just get us on the ground. That part will happen pretty definitely. This is
0: one of the greatest openings for a film I've ever seen. You get to meet every single important character on that ship. On the ship, there are two who aren't. And so to everyone who's loved the show, you're reintroduced. To everyone who's never seen it, as you said earlier, this is how you get to know all of these guys and understand the function they serve on the ship very quickly.
8: As you say, I think it works for both fans and newcomers because for the fans it's like oh yes business as usual you know the conversation between Wash and uh, Mal just sounds exactly like the kind of conversations they would have on the ship and you know everything that he says to the other characters it just you know reinforcing to the fans yes this is what you came here for and you're going to get a lot of it during this movie and for people who have no idea what's going on as you say it establishes who everyone is in about you know five minutes it's great Yeah, just that Mm.
3: credit sequence you find out who the engineer is what Jane does and that two of the characters are married you know just in the credits
0: Mm. (laughs) that river is scary to the rest of the crew and unpredictable and that Simon doesn't want her off the ship and that he and Mal don't get along too well the only person you really don't get a bead on too much is uh, Joey (laughs) Okay, so then there's the, the heist and the chase, and uh, th- this was a difficult one, because they're trying to sell you these Robin Hood characters busting in there and stealing from the obviously impoverished, which makes them see, you know, it, it's a balancing act, and, and then he's sort of teetering on one leg at this stage, because, you know, you could get behind people who are, who are going in there and stealing from the the, the obviously rich and despicable
6: well, they're
3: stealing from the company, aren't they? And he may, yeah. doesn't he make the point in that speech where he says, "I'm not taking your money. Your money's yeah. safe." Which I've got a funny feeling that's a, that's a line from that Al Pacino movie. Is it Dog Day Afternoon? I think he says something similar. But anyway,
8: um, he, he's they're stealing the uh, security team's payroll or something like that. And the reason why it's safe to do that is because no security team would openly advertise the fact that they allowed their own pay cut to get stolen, so they nice. would never report it.
4: That's It's quite similar, actually, to um, the way they justify the heist on Ariel. If you remember, they're talking about um, stealing the medicine, and Zoe points out that it's a government facility, and therefore anything they take will be replaced within hours without any questions being asked.
10: Yeah, it's
0: like uh, something along the lines of, you know, aren't we, are we stealing from sick people? A lot of people on the outer rim are sick too. We're going to sell them the medicine, but they still need it.
6: It, do, it does still outline the, the moral ambiguity uh, of the situation, though, because, okay, they are stealing from, from uh, a rich corporation, but that rich corporation is still going to take that money back from the people. Yeah. Uh, in the place that they're stealing it from, so it, it's better than stealing from them directly. But they're still living right on the edge of that moral line. It's going to jack uh, up somebody's swelling. insurance premiums. Well, basically, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, pretty much, but, uh, but a bit more severe. And, and yeah, they are they are really living on that that, that moral grey area because they don't have any choice. That's all they can do.
0: And then the Reavers turn up and screw everything up. You know, I'm, I've said in the past couple that oh, I kind of wish that they had been more than just screaming angry urukai. but I've listened to what Josh has said about them, and um, as far as he's concerned, they, this is about extremes. They have got to be the extreme opposite of the Alliance. If the Alliance are extreme order, they've got to be extreme chaos. There is no, There is no character that you can really get to know on either side. Okay. Closest would have been the operative after the end of this film.
2: I do kind of wish that they had left the reveal of the Reapers a little bit later into the film. Because I think that they had to have them. But I I had forgotten how quickly you actually see Reapers. When you have spent the entire series, if you watch the series first, obviously, you spent the entire series not seeing them and not really knowing, just knowing that everyone is really really terrified of them and then first you know 20 minutes of the movie and they're already in your face I, I, I kind of wish that they had left him a little bit farther in and maybe kind of built up to it a little bit more
6: Yeah, I watched the series first and, and then the film and watching the film immediately afterwards literally I stopped the um, uh, objects in space and started Serenity and I got the the impression I got whether it's true or not is that they had all these ideas of what the Reavers might be, what might have led to the Reavers, and then they just based when it came to the film, they picked one which was the the, the obvious, the easiest one to 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 put into the film and, and base the film around, and chose that. And it did seem a little bit like, oh, well, all right, we'll make it a nice simple explanation, and then we'll go from there. Well, I, I don't know the background to it, but that's kind of the idea I got. The Reavers weren't—you didn't even see them at all. You just saw a ship a couple of ships maybe, and, and a guy who got basically frightened of being a reaver. And it was so uh, so vague as to what they looked like, what they were, whether they were even people. And then, boom, they just went for a nice, a, a simple, not a bad explanation, but a simple explanation of what they were. They are basically, they're people, but they're just really messed up. and And in the series, that wasn't, that wasn't the idea I got. I was wondering whether they were something else, something from further out in space or, or what I didn't really know. And it just seemed that he took a, a simple explanation to fit into a two hour movie. They pushed their PG
0: 13 certificate in this one as well. Hmm. This is, um, uh, this is borderline. Like you have to really be a, a, an old enough kid to cope with this. Like I'll show Lyra, the Avengers. I'm not showing her this for a while. Probably wise. Would have been a 12 over here, obviously. Okay. Um, they push their PG-13 to the limit.
2: I, I don't know that simple explanation is the word that I would necessarily choose, because it does really serve the plot, and they kind of made the whole thing about it. It it Well, I don't know. Maybe simple is right. But it's I, I think that if they had made them like aliens or something from beyond, I, I don't know that that would have been as scary, necessarily. The whole idea also, behind the Reavers is that these are things that our own government made us into and this could happen to you.
0: Also, you have to have a strong question to then be answered by this is what the Reavers are. Because regular people who haven't seen the show and that's most of them, would be like okay, so this is how they made the what are the Reavers again? Mm -hmm. Because They would then have only seen the outside of the ships. If If they show you the Reavers at the beginning and go right this is totally messed up and at the end, they say this is how they get totally messed up. That is a straightforward, quick Q&A.
6: Yeah, I mean that—that's that, kind of my point, though. If if they if the series had continued, they would have had a lot more time to develop what the Reavers were, what led to them, you know, the whole thing behind it. In a two-hour movie, you don't have that time, and you need yeah. to have a fairly simple cause and effect. Sure. And that's what they went with, and it, it works better than pretty much any other explanation would have done in the film. Uh, but I, I get the feeling that if that they had that they hadn't really decided that was the case when they were making the series, and they had to basically pick a, a, one of the options they'd got, which led to that that early reveal. I, I, I kind of got the feeling that was why we saw the Reavers so clearly and so early.
10: Yeah,
0: but in the TV series, they would have had the luxury of set, assuming that everyone watching would have watched the earlier ones, no, so it would have just been build up, build up, build up here's how the Reavers are, and then at the very end, boom, suddenly Reavers. Yeah, exactly,
6: exactly. Okay.
0: Um, Right, and then there's the uh, the highly amusing, highly um, uh, tense chase sequence with the hovercraft. The key moment that actually happens in this is just before the chase, when Mal says, there's not enough room, and shoves the guy who's trying to come on with them off to his obvious death. And then Mal watching the guy get uh, eaten alive, shoots him in the chest, thus finishing the deal. Zoe makes careful note of that and uh, and says to him, you know, back when we were fighting the war, we never left a man behind. Maybe that's why we lost. This is to, to show and to delineate the erosion of Mal's sensibilities and the hardening of his soul. Now, this wasn't a huge thing for me when I was watching it in the uh, film for the first time because I haven't seen the somewhat more jolly version of Mal in the TV series they actually did acquiesce to Fox's uh, requests regarding making Mal a lot more perky so when you finally see him in the movie he's a lot more hardened and, and embittered and you could trace it all the way back to the point where Inara leaves and that has actually been weighing on him And the focus in this film, because they had nine characters and they could really only solve two of their stories, there was only enough room for that, they went for Mal and River, the two, the main character in the series and the one with the most questions surrounding her, which I actually think, in retrospect, was a good idea.
4: There is a really, really brilliant piece of fanfic, actually, um, about Mal and Inara, which I read... Years ago, and I've never been able to track down since. Got to start writing down fanfic titles because it's a nightmare when I can't find them later on. But it's basically it's it's point of view, um, and it's it's very descriptive about how he sees things, and that after the Battle of Serenity Valley, um, he he sees the world with the black gradually closing in on him. Almost like curtains being drawn, and then when he talks about Inara, it talks about her being red and you know how she has all her shuttles all in red and gold and um, all of those you know that that incredibly luxurious colour surrounds her, Um, and it's all about how this red basically pushes the black away for him for a little while, but then after she left, the black started coming back in again, and it just ends on this idea that he's standing there basically looking at the abyss, and she was the only thing. That was keeping him on the right side of it. Um, oh. It's it's really really good, <laughs> and I'm going to try and track it down again. But
0: please do because that sounds fascinating. I'd like to read that. Mm.
4: I don't think Inara got enough coverage. Hell no, in Serenity. And one of the she deleted, is the
0: most hard done by character. One of the deleted
4: this. scenes actually, where she's training the girls in the uh, the madrasa, they could really have done with leaving in because it's it's characterisation for her as well as I think clarifying things about who she is for people who hadn't seen the series.
0: They have that conversation in one of the deleted scenes as well, where it's in, he says, "You know, have you missed Serenity?" And she's saying, "Right now, no." And they don't really resolve her situation. They certainly don't address the actual the, the truth behind her story. And uh, it seems to be kind of, look, let's just give Mal and Inara their slightly ambiguous happy ending, where she says at the very end, she doesn't know whether to stay or go, and he's like, that's good, ultimately. It is, it is good to be undecided about this.
8: There's only space for really one major romantic arc, I think, in the amount of time they had. In this film, yeah. So, I I kind of wish they kind of because it it felt like a lot of um, Kaylee and Simon's arc was coming to a close during the series. And they could have started with those two as a couple and mm. then focus more on Mal and Inara's relationship. Because more, that, as much as I wanted Kaylee and Simon to get together, it kind of felt like that was a foregone conclusion. That was going to happen no matter what. Yeah. Whereas with Inara and Mal, it was still this very unsure thing. So I c- kind of wish the movie had explored that more. But, you know, I, I'm, you know I'm not Joss Whedon. Just Sweden's the, great,
0: so I'm not going to... The challenge any. was to get it in uh, under two hours. And, you know, it's easy for us to say an extra five minutes here and there. But, uh, but yeah, an extra five minutes of Mal and Inara would really have benefited it. Also, Inara a little bit earlier as well, because she doesn't even turn up for, like, the first 45 minutes. The other thing that's very important about Mal's reaction to everybody else, when Simon punches him for putting River in danger, some would say justifiably... Uh, he kicks them off his boat. You know, kind of this is the last straw. You've been, you know, doing this over and over again, and uh, you know, I, I'm done with you people. I realised this as I woke up yesterday morning that Mal, since Inara left, has begun to feel, as you say, with Sharon, the, the blackness is closing in. That he's heading for a burn. That he's not going to survive this one. That they're closing in, and that the jobs are getting more scarce and more dangerous, and that. Uh, eventually he's going to take down Serenity and everybody else on board so Inara going in the back of his mind has got to be a good thing because she's safe at least he left her somewhere safe Shepard going to Haven, he is safe if he gets rid of River and Simon then at least they might be able to find somewhere safer than Serenity to go to the next person after that would be Jane the next person after that would be Kaylee and then they're really in trouble Because if he gets rid of Zoe, then Wash goes. If he gets rid of Wash, then Zoe goes. And then it's just him on his own in Serenity, fixing, piloting, never able to sleep. So he keeps testing everybody over and over again, saying, you know, if you don't agree with me, if you're not helping me out or taking your leave, I will shoot you down. He is so closed off that he's at the point where he will threaten them into leaving to keep them safe. He has a very difficult relationship with caring about people he can't really process it
8: he's broken it's almost like the wound isn't healing it's just getting more infected as time goes on it's not a scar this is you know a massive gaping wound and he and it's starting to affect the people he cares about I, i know he cares about them but he's going about it in a really awful way uh, not in a good way for them or him it's, he's really self-destructive at this point
0: point. and ultimately deep down he wants everyone to return to him, he wants his family back which is why he keeps testing them he wants them to say, we're with you captain and they pretty much do at the end which is why it's a, it's a, it's a really uplifting, wonderful feeling that this family ends up reunited despite the, the losses because they could just have gone their separate ways at the end here
4: You could see it, actually, as um, this was something that occurred to me very briefly when we were watching Objects in Space, but more so for the film. There's almost a, a, a metaphor of them all being aspects of Mal. And like Josh said, Serenity Valley has broken him. Who he was before has been completely shattered. And he's brought these people together who almost all seem to be the disparate pieces of him, of himself, And by bringing them all together on Serenity, it's like he's trying to put himself back together again. But like you said, he pushes them away individually because he's trying to protect them. And those are the, I think, in a way, those are the aspects of himself that he's trying to close off from the danger that being in this world puts them in. Inara is obviously a a side of himself that wants to love again and, and in this scenario he can't have that so he puts it aside and he leaves it somewhere where it's, it's going to be safe and, and uh, he is almost as broken as River in fact so River could be seen as this very damaged aspect of his own psyche and so on and so forth
0: and Book and Inar are also both the most civilised and the most alliance-based of the uh, characters. Yes. So rem- in a purely narrative, functional way, removing them from the ship and the character roster means that the rest of the crew are somewhat adrift. They don't have that guiding hand, they don't have that conscience, and they don't have the, the beauty to soothe the beast.
8: River's kind of the opposite journey. Uh, it's about her repairing herself, about her wound closing and healing um by discovering exactly what happened to her and what secrets are buried within her brain. Um it's almost like it's almost like it had to get worse before it got better with her. She had to completely explode the way she does in that bar and, you know, you know, she killed people, let's be honest here. There there are probably several people in the morgue. Um but that was part of her healing process she needed to reach that point before she what oh the little murderer had to kill people to heal
6: <laughs> she <laughs> punched she a
0: woman It was just people. a woman running away from her and she just punches her in the face yes.
8: <laughs> okay she maybe didn't need to kill people but she could have had some kind of I don't know stress ball that she could have taken out her anger on but um yeah you
0: know what she I does. mean she does
4: it's called Jane
0: yeah She takes her anger out on his stress
6: balls.
4: Clean show. Clean show. Wasn't even me
6: this time. It was more than a hint to the Mos Eisley Cantina about bits of it. There was. Which is uh, no bad thing.
0: I will also say that fruity Oti bars is now stuck in my head and I can't get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) The advert was based on Mr. Sparkle. I, I fully expect that everyone listening will know what Mr. Sparkle is. The most... Bizarre Japanese ad on The Simpsons for a soap powder, and Joss's notes to the uh, the producers of this ad were: Can you make it more bizarre? Can you make it more weird? Get the get the octopus coming out of her bra and eating rainbows.
8: OT I'm interested to hear what people's opinions on the actual fight sequence is because Summer Glau is a trained dancer. Ballet dancer, yeah. And I think that helped her a lot because I mean dance and martial arts aren't really that different. It's they're both Uh, disciplines that involve being being able to have perfect control over your body so i think she was quite believable as a fighter but i did feel like some of the choreography did look a bit stagey at points
4: see i think in context that actually works it does look a bit stagey but the way that she um executes those moves she looks like she's almost in in a lot of ways that like she's half asleep and it's almost like she just holds this fight pose and the person she's attacking just walks into it.
3: Yeah she's, she sees it coming she yeah. knows what's coming. And
4: uh, I think it's actually quite effective because it does give that impression like you say Gary she's she's anticipating everything and it looks that way.
3: That's why she's a weapon because she she can sense because she's an empath she can sense what people are doing before they've done it. She can, she can sense their thought processes, which is what makes her so lethal, because no one can touch her.
0: However, in the back of my mind, I can't really make the connection between a graceful dancer putting her leg out gracefully and slowly and someone marching into it and going, Oh, you kick me in the face, now I fall over. There is no impact to any of her blows. It's not supposed to be a bloody, punchy fight, really. It's a dance, but it, I will say, at least, un, until the Avengers actually came out, I was very worried about what Joss Whedon was going to do with the action... Well, the fight sequences, because he doesn't like doing them. He it says the most boring thing in the world to write is a fight. So, as far as he's... I don't get that why there were about 17 per minute in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and all of them were rubbish. But, um... That uh, he is not a fighting director. And yet, the Avengers had fantastic, meaty, punchy action. But as a dance choreography scene, this is kind of up there with the fifth element for me. I think... In terms of, oh, nice, dance.
4: In terms of how Joss Whedon portrays his fights, and Buffy is a good example, but you've got to remember that when he does it, it's always got narrative purpose behind it. The fights in Buffy were never about... Kung-fu
0: vampires. Sorry? Every single vampire yes. no, you No, no,
4: no, I know. But the fights in Buffy were never about look how good we can do this action sequence. It was never about trying to keep you interested in that. It was about the fact that you had a five-foot, very petite blonde kicking the crap out of big, bulky vampires.
2: Yeah, but it happened all the
10: time. Yes, I
4: know, but that's...
2: Well, are you going to talk a vampire to death, really?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe just have a few less vampires, a few less like non named vampire have thugs you, getting killed every have, week.
2: It's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, dude. Vampire is in the name. Yeah, but like
0: have like four vampires per season, vampire. and they're all really slippery. <sighs> I have I have a problem with Buffy. I, I really can't get into that show. Really and can. I've tried. To, for the love of God have I tried, show.
4: I've put my favourite episodes in front of him. And he just... It's not taking.
0: I, I You know what I like? Once More With Feeling. That was good. I so liked that was, Hush. Is that the singing one? Yes. That was the singing one. Yeah, that's
3: the only one I've seen that I liked as well. I think I'm in the same boat as you. Watch um,
4: Smashed. Okay?
0: Uh, well... Okay. Yeah. What, what series is that in six
4: it's like just show me
0: Smash, sharon would you just show me that oh, one
4: it's like the We'd next have six. one after the next episode
0: okay well i'm going to stop talking about Buffy and angel because those are not my shows firefly is my show but uh but yeah that the, the point is that is actually relevant because it carries on to that that's how joss whedon directs action at least up to the point where he did avengers and um at least at least fist fighting action and it just always bothered me that someone so clearly disinterested in fist fighting action would fill his shows with it.
2: I actually kind of agree uh, about the uh, just specifically about the fighting in in, um, in this movie. Just that it all looks very pretty, and it, it it maybe if if you think about it that way, then yeah, it does have uh, it it fits. But yeah, it just it never really looked like she's hitting anybody to me. she's
0: kissing them with her feet there's there's just no
2: like you said there's no impact to anything and that
0: that's why I have a hard time believing she killed anyone (laughs) or even bruised anyone frankly apart from poor Jane's testicles Uh, yeah so yeah there's that that. then there's Simon's safe word which is actually in Russian I won't say what words are in Russian but it is roughly translated as uh, that's enough to make a chicken laugh which is another word for saying that's ridiculous and that puts her to sleep I how did he implant that and when? Why didn't he use it before? He I didn't implant he he did. it. He He was given it. He was told oh, it. Oh, why? when? Presumably when he was
3: doing his research into what was happening to River, because he had a contact on the inside, didn't he, who let him in. Gotcha. And they gave him the magic word, uh, should he ever face any problems with her once he got her out.
0: Did, did he not face many, many
8: problems with her in the series? Obviously not no. enough to use the the, the word. <laughs> She never, she, nev- she never uh, killed people in front of Simon before. This is the first. There was
0: that bit when she was holding a Desert Eagle and freaking everybody out, and then like slashed Jane across the chest. True enough. Okay. The knife
4: But he is doesn't wake right him too fast, though, for him to react. Yeah. I would say.
0: Uh, he was knocked out, wasn't he, when
3: she was sh- she was shooting?
6: Oh, I seem to maybe. remember. There's the bit in objects in space where she picks up what she sees as a branch. And he could have just said it then, which would have, she'd have um, fallen asleep. But it's possible that that has an effect on her. It might make her incredibly ill. So he was using it as a last resort. Coming into a bar where she has just demolished a crowd of people, that is time for the last resort. So uh, It's hit
0: the fan. Yeah, it's
6: through the fan and against the wall at this point. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's really time to... Now it's all over the crowd. (laughs) As as for what the words are, that's... That was implanted by the the Alliance uh, gotcha. during their, so their experiments. Yeah. That's not going to be a phrase that no one's going to say in the normal uh, daily use. You don't want that kind of code to be something that she might randomly overhear and then just collapse in the middle of a mission, for instance. It's got to be something completely, ra- almost random. And, and well, tense- Apparently,
0: it's quite a common phrasing in, in Russia. So if she ever gets sent in, in a Russian... Uh, Mission.
6: This is 500 years in the future. Stealthy. Russian might not be a very common language. Oh, at good all. point. Yeah, maybe Russia's completely obliterated. English and Chinese are, but Russian not at all, so.
8: It might be okay. that Russian's become what Latin like is now.
6: Yeah. Okay,
8: that's
0: quite clever.
4: It also um, might be that that's a phrase that nobody would ever actually say in Russian.
0: No, no, they, they would. It means that's ridiculous. Oh, right, okay. It's like. Um, when he- when pigs fly...
4: Right, gotcha.
0: Okay. It's, it's probably in in about that much usage. Okay. Um, did anyone else see the RTAM sessions? They're on the disc. It's the one where uh, it, it shows her like 416th session with a psychologist who is Joss Whedon. And then it cuts back to the first one and then it just takes you through her time... Uh, being under the knife at Blue Sun. No one saw them? I did. I know you did. I was with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just uh,
10: wanted
4: to make the audience <laughs> aware
3: that I, I hold up my hand. I, I, I very, very rarely watch any extras on the DVD. Wait, okay.
8: Have you got a, a more recent version of the DVD, Alex? Because I've got one of the first ones that came out, and I swear that's not on there. Uh, I've got a Blu-ray. Oh, right. Okay, I've only got the DVD of it, so...
0: Right, well, it's it's on the uh, everything since the two thousand and seven um, special edition DVD, which had all of the extras that were on the extended, um, expanded Australian set,
6: uh-huh. and then a few
0: extra Blu-ray ones. The Blu-ray is fantastic. Okay, I watched it on Netflix um,
6: this time around, so okay. <laughs> I watched it on Netflix this time around, and the DVD I've got, I think, is is previous to that that version. So gotcha. Well, I can heartily recommend this. Watching
0: it in HD is amazing. Um, can you watch in HDN on Netflix
6: yeah
0: oh, of course yeah sorry I, to do that. I will just say briefly they're very very low budget and they're absolutely chilling they were actually released as sort of a, a little webisodes uh, it, it's very very short it, she starts off very sort of happy and, and uh, talking about her time at the educational facility but you know very soon she's asking to go home and she wants to see her brother and, and this psychologist is saying no your brother's busy and then like, later on she just her mind starts to degrade and then it cuts to later sessions and she starts talking in, in code and starts talking in colourful um, gobbledygook. She kills the psychologist at the beginning and at the end she asks him to borrow a pen. Yeah, it, it's very similar to Sarah Connor in, on video in Terminator 2.
4: It's not just she's... very similar. If it's not based on it, I would be very, very surprised.
0: She stabbed me in the knee with my pen.
4: There's there's too much in there which is almost directly from that beginning section of t- of um, Judgment Day.
0: There is rather a lot of uh, Sarah Connor as you've said before, Sharon, in, yeah. uh, in River um, throughout, and a lot of Terminator Two in general, or specifically Terminator Two because that's the even the, the best, the pinnacle of the series. They should stop making them. There's a bit later on where River is standing at Haven after it's been destroyed by the Alliance, and she's standing next to a burning swing set.
8: Yep. Opening credits of
1: Terminator 2. Indeed. And you like school? I do.
7: It's... Sometimes things move a little slowly for me.
1: I imagine they do. What's your favourite subject?
7: I'm finding physics a challenge.
1: You're in the graduate programme already.
7: People tell you things all the time without talking. The way they move, the way they aren't talking.
1: You're very intuitive.
7: Simon's a genius. I can never do what he does.
1: But you understand why these treatments are important.
7: I don't think... I'm sorry. I think there's been an error. I think I may not be the right subject for, these, for this program.
1: It's perfectly natural to feel a little nervous. I
7: just... If it were possible to be transferred, it's the packs.
1: Tell me what you see.
7: I would like to see my brother.
1: Well, I'm sure he's very busy.
7: Because I have a system. You make an assumption because you have a system. Your system... you're symptomatic. It's chronic. The mattress can't be trusted. It has to be gutted. I looked
0: under 20 and found a pee and you wonder why I'm not sleeping? <laughs> I can see you. Okay, um, so rescuing Inara and this is a character which regular people coming into the cinema who hadn't seen it would be like, well, hang on, who's this? And I think this is why they should really have set her up a little bit earlier. Oh, no, they did actually. They showed you the, um, the bit with her and Kaylee talking and they never get to actually interact beside that in the movie. There's a, a point where Joss simply had Inara put her hand on Kaylee's shoulder just so that they could have acknowledged each other's existence in the film. Because there just wasn't time to have all nine characters interact with each other individually. So, yeah, we get uh, Mal just as a lady again. Always comedy gold.
8: This, this is probably the funniest scene because uh, Mao has a couple of moments you know in a row that make me laugh hysterically well one yeah. one moment that particularly uh made me giggle was when he uh, the operative refers to river as an albatross and then he says well uh, <laughs> as i hear it some bastard shot the albatross, and then he turns to Inara and says, "Please don't faint. I have read poetry or something along that. Along that <laughs> yes, um, I
4: have read a poem.
8: yeah
0: um, but, but being a captain, that would make him familiar, more likely to be familiar with the rhyme of the, is it the rhyme, rhyme of, the of, the of marriage? Marriage.
10: Yeah.
0: Yeah. or possibly he's had the iron maiden song
8: <laughs> but but the sequ- all twenty seven minutes of it. But the moment that really stands out is when the operative says, I, I don't want to hurt you, Mal. I'm unarmed. And then Mal immediately shoots him in the chair. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then, but before that, he he says, you have to understand, you can't make me angry.
4: Oh, please, spend an hour with him.
0: The the interplay between him and the operative, we have got this incredibly... It's, it's what Mal likes best of all, which is to, to find somebody he considers to be pompous and a tool of the uh, uh, alliance all of the alliance he constantly uh, underestimates their abilities because he, he doesn't believe any of them are of particular um, substance and so he likes to annoy them and he likes to goad them and um, it's just unfortunate that he kind of he oversteps the mark with the operative because he's more than he's bargained for.
8: Also, by contrast, I actually think the fight scene with the operative does Mm. have a lot of uh, weight and power behind it, mainly because it's a lot more economical. He's not as. um, It's not a dance for him. He's going for pressure points and attacking Mao's weak spots. It's not. He's very. uh, you know disciplined fighter but it's not as fancy as river and it's also really fascinating watching mal who is a very capable fighter but he's a very dirty fighter so he'll Mm. wrap his head in a curtain or something like that and start punching him in the face and stuff like it's it's just nice to see the difference between somebody who's like a trained martial artist and somebody who's in the military who's very meat and potatoes style fighting
4: a lot of that as well has to do with the way Nathan Fillion sells punches.
8: Mm. Oh, yeah. No one can take a punch like Nathan Fillion.
0: Well, he said himself on the uh, making of stuff, he'd much rather him he get banged about than it not look real, which is kind of the opposite of what was happening in the bar with River, where she's just sort of love-tapping everybody. And they're going,
6: I fall over and die. Well, with, with that scene in the bar, I, I, I wonder whether that was intended to be from River's perspective and in her mind she was dancing rather than fighting. Oh it's not an yeah it's
0: not an unforgivably bad fight scene I've always just taken it as a dance rather than a fight anyway it's symbolic
6: yeah but with with saying about uh, the way Mal fights that's something that you saw in um, Shindig as well Uh, you've got uh, Atherton Wing who's uh, a very capable fencer Uh, and Mal can't can't clearly can't compete but as soon as Mal just thinks right forget this I'm just going to take this guy down, basically smashes him in the face with, with the, the handguard of his sword. When Mal's just fighting, he is able to, to take an awful lot of punishment and deal it out as well. And someone that's, that's trained in a disciplined way of fighting can't really account for the sheer uh, inventiveness of, of how Mal will fight. He's very much a... Basically, hit them with whatever you can hit them with just to stop them hitting all that
10: he's yeah. an opportunist and, and, and
6: even the operative yeah. who is incredibly capable is taken aback at one point and is, is completely caught off guard like when he's got his face wrapped in a curtain he's getting punched in the face that's not really something that any martial art is going to really train you to deal with specifically, and then that's Mal's edge. And, Sensei, what would happen if someone wraps my head in the curtain
0: (laughs) and smacks him repeatedly? Again, props to Fillion, Uh, the end fighting sequence, which, again, was was pretty meaty, apart from the point where he turns his back on the operative and tries to go across some monkey bars. Um, He gets his head smacked against the floor repeatedly, and uh, Nathan Fillion's real face started swelling up and bruising. And uh, the makeup artist was like, wow, this is looking really good. Oh, no. Oh, that's all you. Yeah. okay, Going to need to stop because, yeah, he's just that much of a professional that he will injure himself for the good of the film.
4: Remind you of anyone?
0: Viggo Mortensen.
4: Yes. Mr. Just super glue my tooth back in. I'll carry on.
0: He lost a tooth and a toe to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they, they rescue Inara and there's that there's not enough of Mal bickering with Inara is great fun and um you know, would have been nice for some earlier aspects of the film. It's a lot less of a sort of serious ride. So Inara's back on the ship and uh, balance has been restored. They also this is after they've gone to see Book in Haven, isn't it? Yeah. So she never actually gets to, uh, to see Book while he's still alive. We'll talk about Book when we actually get to the, um, yeah, the, the Haven tragedy, shall we? Because we can sort of round the, the two together. Isn't
3: that where they go next?
0: Um, no, River turns on the crew first. Oh, yeah. This was kind of, a, once you've seen it, it's a little bit baffling because you na- when you watch it again, you, you now know that River doesn't need to do all of this stuff. And it's, it's almost like um, a narrative contrivance that she just decided she was going to redirect them and find out where Miranda was. And by doing this, she was going to kick the asses of the entire crew. It's, I suppose it's, it's ticking the box of what if River turned on the
8: ship? How many people does she take out, though? Because I know she takes out Jane, but Jane... And Simon. She punches him in the throat. That was to stop him from, uh, you know, making her pass out. Uh, And Jane was pretty intent on taking her out on a shuttle ride.
0: And she holds Mal at gunpoint. True enough. It's enough crazy for them to not want her to be on the ship anymore. Yeah. And if all she'd had to uh, do was sit up and say, I know where we need to go. But again, we've seen how river's mind works or rather doesn't work. And so it's all relatively explainable from the point of view of, if, you know, as far as she's concerned, she needs to get to the cockpit and get through a series of obstacles to do so in a way that she's been trained to do.
4: There's certain bits of information in her mind that she can't, she can't access. It's almost like she's got the whole puzzle there, but the right pieces aren't connected together for her to be able to see it all in sequence. One of the things I really, really like about River's um, character development is that all of this information about Miranda that's surfacing for her is incredibly disturbing to her because she doesn't know where these images are coming from. She doesn't know if it's her imagination, she doesn't know if it's something that's been planted there, if it is, is it real? Is it something that they just created to keep her under control? She has no idea what what the source is. Once they've been to Miranda, and she knows that, yes, it's real, and this is why she was seeing it, I think the implication is that that this isn't something that Blue Sun implanted in her mind, is it? This is something she picked up from one of the government, the parliament members, who she was being shown off to. Yeah. So she's never had any way of explaining any of this, but once she understands where it all comes from, it's almost like all the pieces click together for her, and suddenly she's not necessarily completely healed, but she's certainly a lot more rational and calm at the end.
8: Well, it's the moment when they see that video recording that she pukes on the floor, and then she says she's fine, and then she turns to Simon, and then she says, I'm fine, in an almost... Surprise, like, wait, mm. I'm a lot better. I'm thinking a lot more clearly than I was before. It's almost she had to exercise that demon. I mean, as Sharon already said, she needed to exercise that part of her um, mind. She needed to fit all this stuff together in her head.
0: The disturbing aspect of that is that somebody from Parliament actually went to Miranda and observed all of these corpses everywhere and got back on a starship and flew away.
4: I think you can, you can sort of infer that as well, because um, when they get there, the it's not exactly a disc, but the cartridge or whatever it is that, that has that recording on it is sat in the machine, but it's been turned. Somebody saw that, turned it off, and then walked away. But didn't destroy it. but didn't destroy it, no. I, I always kind of took it as just it got knocked
2: off, you know, during some sort of chaos after the recording had completed. I never really even considered that somebody would have intentionally removed it. It's interesting.
0: Then we get to one of the most heartbreaking uh, moments in the the film. They go back to Haven, which they've been to already once in this film, and uh, you see bodies strewn everywhere, and it's one of these multiple atrocities that fascist governments are capable of doing and then washing their hands of entirely, sometimes not even fascist governments. And there's a child who Kaylee obviously was con- uh, connected to in some way, maybe you know was was fond of. And child is dead. Everyone's dead, and the only person left over is Book. And as I said before, the um, removing of Daryl from the main crew takes away that guiding hand that they had before, the conscience and the the, the sense of uh, a fatherly figure there, and also a sense of belief. Josh has actually said that he's given, like, extremely wordy 20-minute explanations of what serenity is about. Uh, but when it comes down to it, he could just have said, simply, it's about belief. And if you believe in something, you have an anchor. And if you don't, then you don't. When Book says to Mal, it doesn't matter what, just believe. You can believe in people. You can believe in the essential decency of people. Or you can believe that people can pull it together to go up against the essential indecency of people, but that if you don't have that anchor, your way will be a lot harder.
8: There's a link between Uncharted 2 and uh, this movie through this scene, uh, because the scene where, I forget the old guy's car- The just... One glass? Sully? Uh, no, 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 the really old guy, the 90-year-old who dies in Uncharted 2. <sighs> forgotten his name. He was German. Oh, the German chap, yes. Anyway. Um, Niska.
10: <laughs> basically.
8: Um, he his, his death and the way um, Nathan Drake interacts with him as he's dying, and the conversation they have is very, very similar to this scene with Mal and Shepard Book. Uh, in fact, they both say something very similar. Um, when Shepard dies, he says, I just need you to believe in something. And then in Uncharted 2, he says something along the same lines. Nathan, you have Here's to. slash
0: naughty dog like Firefly. you <laughs> established this.
8: But no, no, no. I just think it's interesting to bring up another similarity. I'd completely forgotten that moment in Uncharted 2.
0: You're right. It's not
2: that at all.
0: It's the old German guy in Tibet.
2: <sighs> it's been forever since I played that yes. game. I guess I must have just forgot. Huh.
0: Which is why we need a movie!
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
0: a good one!
2: <laughs>
5: Directed by Joe Whedon. I'm long gone. Dog will bring you around. I look to be bored by many more sermons before you slip. Just don't move. Can't order to be around, boy. Not one of your crew. Yes, you are. River.
1: Come on! Hey.
5: I look care what you believe
6: just believe
11: break you have to believe you gotta do what i gotta believe <laughs>
0: There's a fantastic deleted scene at this point where Nathan Fillion, I don't know if he was just tired or drunk, um, charges out, and rather than saying his existing lines, spouts something along the lines of, get all them corpses up, strap them to the front, get Shepherd front and center, he's our friend, we should honor him. Kayleigh, go get that kid of yours, we need us a hood ornament. Jane, stop
6: stealing shit!
0: And everyone's just cracking up at trying their absolute, because they've just all worked themselves up into, into the emotion it requires to, to pull that scene through. And he completely yanks the wrong out from all of them. The
8: the gag reels for Firefly and Serenity are two of the best gag reels I've ever watched. And it's mainly because of Nathan Fillion's ability to make everyone laugh.
0: I will briefly mention the music. It has the most incredible title sequence, the most incredible end music, and then a lot of banging pots and pans in the middle. (laughs) It, there's, some, there's some really nice sort of moody music as well, but if you try listening to the soundtrack, it doesn't really work as an album. There's no like standout bits of music apart from the beginning and the end.
3: Yeah, it's just atmospheric, isn't it?
0: Yeah, hmm. it's, it's, it serves a purpose. It's, it's, uh, it's by David Newman, the brother of Thomas Newman, Finding Nemo, Me Joe Black. A series of unfortunate events, American Beauty. David has not yet risen to uh, the same fame. He's very good at doing the atmospheric stuff, but the Serenity theme is one of my all-time favourite themes, and I adore it more than anything that's in Firefly.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I'm with you there.
0: The next thing is actually the Reavers, because then they go through the... the they, they turn Serenity into an abomination, and I actually didn't before when I first saw it, um, maybe not even time, the second time I saw it, Uh, But after you've seen Firefly, when they say you're going to turn the ship into an abomination, I really felt awful for the ship at that point. And she's just a... She's just metal. I get that. But to see her covered in paint and blood and barbed wire and scrap and corpses, it's... It's horrible.
8: It's their home. It's... You know, it's the thing that brought them together. It 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 may just be a metal case for them to live in, but it means a lot to them. The moments they've shared together in that ship, and for them to just desecrate it the way they do is does carry meaning because it's it's not just a ship they're desecrating; it's part of their lives.
0: And it's symbolic of how dark and far down the road they are now.
3: Uh, yeah, I'm, I think it's a, it's also a bit of pragmatism over sentiment. <laughs> On, on Mal's part, because he needs to make sure that they can get to Miranda alive.
8: Oh, absolutely! And yeah. this
3: stuff, you know, blood washes off. And I'm not being grim, but you know, blood washes off corpses. Come off the ship, can be restored. This is this is a pragmatic decision. But yeah, the reaction for the rest of the crew, particularly Zoe, is is one of of horror and shock.
8: Yeah, no, but I I absolutely agree with Mal's decision. I I just I'm just saying I. Understand why they're so emotional about it.
0: But when he walks through the ship afterwards, uh, it's almost like he's apologising to her. You know what, we'll talk about the Reavers themselves in a bit, because ultimately this Reavers scene is very, very similar to the scene where uh, they go past the Reavers at least once, maybe twice, in the show.
4: There's more of them here. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Many, many
4: many more of them.
3: Yeah, this is is all of them, isn't it? This is them just... It,
4: it did occur to me actually that there seemed to be a lot more than could be explained by the what was it? She said something like a tenth of a percent.
0: 0.01 yeah. percent. But then again, it's more than just Miranda. Do you know how many people lived on the Miranda? They mentioned that they flew over multiple cities. Like there's 30 million Joey. people on Miranda.
3: There you go. So <laughs> uh, what right. was the what was the percentage?
4: I'm sure she said it was like a tenth of a percent.
3: Yeah. yeah. So. Yes, yeah, at least 100,000 people.
4: And it's already been seen that you can pretty much
2: create reavers if you try hard enough. Just by the guy in um, who basically made himself into one.
4: Yeah, Just well, that's the, that's the impression actually. that I got, that, that the initial reavers were effectively chemically created. Their, um, their hormones got pumped up to levels that, that caused all of this aggression, but that by taking that out into the verse, they potentially would spread that to people that they came in contact with.
0: That could have been some fantastic episodes, actually, where people were uh, they were finding that people were being snatched away by the reavers. I suppose it has uh, connotations with the Borg, only it's chaos mm. rather than order. Mm. So, should we go to Miranda or any more on the Reavers? I oh, just going to say, I really
3: like that little bit with the ships floating past all the Reavers. Mm-hmm. There's quite a lot of tension there because you're not quite sure whether they they're on to them or not, and there's lots of sort of uh, there's lots of stuff going on in the background, and of course there is a ship that follows them, yeah. um, and there's lots of sort of you know there's, there's a scene, isn't there, where the, the light gets
8: beamed on them and switched off rapidly and you know it's uh that really creeped me out because um as they were going past it was almost like the other reavers noticed that they were going past and assumed they were more reavers and it was like they were showing off their prizes like because mm. the light was going past all these dead corpses and it was like look at all these people we've killed mm. aren't we impressive and eaten, yeah
4: one thing I liked about the fact that they showed the Reavers close up in this is that they it's like emphasizing the fact that they are just people. They are just people who've been horribly, horribly twisted by their own body chemistry effectively. You know, because of what what was done to them. And it, it you know, obviously wasn't intentional, but I quite like the fact that they take it away from the the mythic evil idea and and just return it to they are just people who've done horrendous things because horrendous things were done to them
8: well they're, they're kind of similar to the infected in 28 days le- uh, 28 days later in that they're just pure rage they're slightly more intelligent because they're able, able to, to pilot
0: starships whereas the guys in 28 days later can't even eat and drink yeah yeah
8: but it, it's a similar idea that somebody is so mad and so angry that it's gone beyond madness. They're just killers, yeah.
0: There's a few too many jump scares in this, um, with like you, know, you know, Rivers creeped out, and then suddenly it'll go, like that. Um, there's at least two, when, which I suppose needed to be there for a cinematic audience to keep them on edge. But it's kind of at odds with the whole building up the Reavers as being something genuinely terrifying, which is sort of, you know, allowing it all to go in your head psychologically.
3: Yeah, they don't really do that in the movie, though, do they? So taking it just in the context of a movie, that that's...
0: Well, they still have the elements of everyone's absolutely terrified. Yeah, they're
8: terrified of them.
0: But But because we've now seen them, there's less of that. We've got an
8: idea of what they're about,
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Miranda?
8: I thought that was a really cool concept for an atrocity um, the idea that people just laid down and died—they yeah. allowed them. So
0: it just—I've seen. It so wasn't different. even intended
8: as an yeah. trust yeah, you know, yeah, It was just it's,
0: intended as yeah, a good, but, uh, good idea to keep people, you know, docile.
6: Yeah. I guess it was it was originally intended as a riot control. Perhaps I don't know what the, the reason was, but it was it was not intended to it was, to it was kill I think it was in uh, the
0: early stages uh, of the uh, unification war when when people were starting to rebel. They were effectively
8: trying it out. Well, well, they said it was like twelve years ago. They, they said, uh, I think she said during the recording that it was like designed to weed out rebellion, just to calm people down, so they were more docile and willing to take orders. But it yeah. kind of backfired, and they just.
0: But I mean, in, in the real American Civil War, it didn't just happen like that. There was a long period of uh, agitation yeah. before actual civil war was de- war were declared. But yeah, this this would have been one of their countermeasures that they tried. It failed spectacularly, and then um, uh, they they covered it up, pretended it didn't happen.
4: It's also possible that what they were trying to accomplish, um, if you look at at the um, the environment of where they end up and admittedly this is just like one city so it, it could have been completely different in other areas of the planet um, but one thing that struck me was that everything looks very um, technologically advanced everywhere they go it seems to be uh, labs and um, an atmosphere of learning and I wonder if the intention with the packs was to suppress the animal instincts that are so, you know, the incredibly inconvenient when what you're trying to do is is be intelligent and and work on advancing humankind, and that would fit in with the idea that that what created the reavers was an amping up of those animal instincts, so that basically you've got people who have lost the urge to to eat, to to drink, to breed, to survive and at the other end of the scale you've got people who that is all they have left is just eat, kill,
8: breed there was something very unsettling about because the environment they were in was kind of pristine and clean like there were in most like um, post-apocalyptic films or films where something really horrible has happened you'll see flaming cars and broken windows and all that but because everyone just laid down and died, like willingly, it wasn't that they fell over because they got knocked out. they just fell asleep effectively. Everything is so perfect and organized, and it's really creepy.
0: Miranda itself was named after anyone good on Shakespeare the tempest character in the tempest, yeah in act five says, "Oh, brave new world that has such people in t-. now it's a moon um,
3: as well. I'm trying to remember which planet is around. Saturday.
0: Yeah, there yeah. you.
4: Ah, that's interesting, actually, because the point of Miranda and the Tempest is she's incredibly naive, and when she's talking about Brave New World, it's not. It's it's just the world. It's just that she's never seen it before.
0: The actress who uh, plays the uh, is she a scientist sent in to uh, to observe what's actually gone on?
4: I think so. She's an evaluator of some kind, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. the rescue
6: crew. There's yeah. A rescue a search and rescue ship crashed.
0: Her performance is absolutely chilling. I mean, she gives that sort of impassioned uh, speech about it, but I think it's down to the fact that when she gets grabbed by a reaver and she's screaming in absolute, it carries on. You don't get to see what's happening, but you get to see everyone's reactions, and her screaming continues. And that's really haunting. And she puts and throws so much of herself into that single moment. And no one ever even met her in the, in the filming. Her thing was done entirely um, separate. But she sells the atrocity that occurred here and all of the people who died as a result.
4: The most horrible thing in that snippet for me is the fact that she puts the gun to her head at the end and they take it off her.
6: Yeah. Well, she, she fires the gun at, at the Reavers and she, she's basically trying to stay alive to the l- very last second. And then at the very last second, she tries to, to end it quickly, and she's too late.
10: Mm. And she
6: just gets basically taken down and doesn't get the chance to end it quickly and has to basically get, you know, literally pulled apart, which is oh. a fairly horrific way to go.
0: I, th- I think, again, pushing that PG-13 as far mm. well as it go. It's the PAX.
2: The G23 paxilon hydrochloride that we added to the air processors. It was supposed to calm the population, weed out aggression.
7: Well, it works. The people here stopped fighting. And then they stopped everything else. They stopped going to work. They stopped breathing, talking,
2: eating. There's 30 million people here and they all just let themselves die.
7: I have to be quick.
2: About a tenth of a percent of the population had the opposite reaction to the Pact. Their aggressor response increased beyond madness. They have become. Well, they've killed most of us. And not just killed.
10: They've done
2: things. Bravers. They made them. I won't live to report this, but people have to know, we meant it for the best, to make people favor. God!
8: I think I've seen this actress in quite a lot of different stuff. I swear she's the uh, Dead Sarah. Paulson, yeah, her
6: name is. She's yeah, in tons of stuff.
0: She's in Downward Love as well.
4: That's where I remember her from. She's is she uh, Renée as boss or
0: boss friend colleague colleague co-worker. Yeah. Mm. That then prompts the fantastic speech from Nathan Fillion, the "I am to misbehave" one, uh, when he was a lad growing up and wanted to be in the Hollywood movies. Uh, He wanted to do two things. He wanted to be in a giant hovercraft chase, and he wanted to give a speech like that. So it's kind of a twofer.
8: That speech is excellent. I also really like what Jane says right after that. If you can't do something smart, do something right. Short quote, but I think that carries a lot of weight.
0: This all ties in with um, the government's meddling with Miranda is trying to make people better. And this is something that was fundamental to the independence: the idea that they should be given freedom to make their own choices, even if those choices were ultimately wrong. And that if you take away fundamental aspects of people's humanity, that the best aspects of humanity are also connected intrinsically with the worst aspects. And you can't, you literally can't have one without the other. There's got to be a balance. So yeah, uh, the, the film is ultimately, it's about belief and it's about freedom
8: to make wrong choices.
0: and Mal is frequently wrong, but about this one, he's right.
8: There's a change of attitude in that scene with Mal as well. Um, before when they're on uh, when they're at Haven, he's very he's very focused on his task, and as you said before, he threatens to shoot them if he gets in his way or just doesn't leave the ship. But here it's no, you guys, you don't have to follow me if you don't want to but I would really like it if you did. It's it's not he's not a captain here he's a friend. That's what I got from that scene.
3: I, I always felt that he, he felt he'd been given a bit of a gift here. This was his this was now his time, this was his moment this was something that he'd almost been looking for for the past how many years it is. You know, this, is, this is his chance to 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 score a victory if you like
8: oh he's he's definitely being a leader but i the way he was talking to them it, it was more like he was talking to a group of friends he wanted to rally together rather than soldiers on a battlefield like he was talking to them before when they were at when they're at haven mm. yeah yeah
2: it's a little thing but i really like um when Jane slides that bottle over to uh, to Simon, that's pretty oh, much yes. the first time that Jane has ever made any kind of conciliatory gesture towards Simon at all. That this is like the first time that he's ever shown that he accepts him in the slightest. And it's just that little thing.
5: Somebody has to speak for these people. Y'all got on this boat for different reasons. But you all come to the same place. So now I'm asking more of you than I have before. Maybe all. As sure as I know anything, I know this. They will try again. Maybe on another world, maybe on this very ground swept clean. A year from now, 10, they'll swing back to the belief that they can make people better. And I do not hold to that. So no more running. I am to misbehave. Shepherd Book used to tell me: can't do something smart, do something right and the irony
0: is there's blue sun written all over that bottle and that's the thing that's ruined River's life also um, uh, Adam Baldwin stole that from the Firefly set and brought it on to Serenity without anyone knowing (laughs) he's very proud of that sorry folks Um, oh there's another earlier bit when Mal's giving one of his many speeches Jane steps out of line he goes you want to win the ship yes well you can't I love that (laughs)
8: <laughs> we, we were talking about Joss Whedon's comedy during the earlier episodes of this uh, series um, mm. and uh, Zan was talking about how he uses sarcasm for humour but another thing that Joss does wh- which I really love is he takes cliche lines that are used in yes. loads of films and TV shows but then he ends them in a way that feels very real, uh, true Chains to life their
0: responses Yeah.
8: Let's see, we can talk about Mr Universe now
0: it does mean we miss the
3: universe is probably the only thing in the film that troubles me if i'm to be honest and in fact in the entire series i I just don't under i know what he well, i know what his purpose is in terms of the narrative of this film because obviously uh you know the the ability to get this message out is key and there's a lot of uh you know you can't stop the signal and all that business. You know that some memorable moments hinge on it. But as a character, he just seemed well. Like I said when I saw, first saw the movie and I hadn't seen the TV series, it just he just felt to me to be completely vacuous. And I just what? assumed that his backstory was in the series, but it wasn't in the series either. So he still
8: remains to me to be this sort of empty shell of a character. Well, for, for me, the issue is that they give more weight to him than he has earned as a yes.
3: character. Yeah, that, I guess that's yeah, a different way of saying the same thing, really, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
8: Um, if the, If he... I don't have a problem with him being there. I just think he should have been there to serve yeah. a function to the plot and that be it and have some interesting lines and stuff. But the way that the the movie is written and the way it's structured uh, w- with him specifically, it's almost like you're meant to get emotionally attached to him, and when he dies, you're meant to really care. Yeah, and I... they even include him as part of the funeral at the end, and I yes. don't think he's earned that right, no, if you know No, to I mean.
3: alongside so that, that as well, yeah. no, I, 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 he, he almost gets more screen time and more significance than book. Yeah. Like I said, you know, when I saw the when I saw the film, I thought he was a
0: principal character because
4: well, they give you the refer... the
0: signal becomes the the mantra of the film and the entire series.
4: They do refer to him as somebody that Mal already knows, don't they?
0: Yeah, but they... but it is ultimately a love letter to the geeks. Oh yeah, surely. character. It's to the otaku.
4: I think if you're going,
0: he's us.
3: Really,
4: <laughs>
3: I don't want to be thought of that way, particularly. <laughs>
0: Well, you're the guy down in the in the bar drinking the fine ale, but uh, he's us.
6: <laughs> I got the, the feeling with him again that it was uh, an idea they'd had for for the series that sure. they they then developed in the film. Because in, if the series had continued for three, four, five, whatever seasons, he could have been there constantly as like a, a minor character, hugely important to to the events going on, but not present, kind of like the shadow broker in or effectively Badger. In Mass Effect or Badger. And he could have just kept popping up and been a very important character in that, that universe, but not one of the main cast. And it seems like they took all of that and kind of stuffed it into the film almost. Like, We've got all these cool ideas and we need him. It, a lot of things kind of struck me. And whether that's just me re- looking for, for things of that nature because I knew that the, the series had been over for Two, two, three years at the point I watched it I, I don't know but again that's what I saw with, with Mr Universe they just sort of put all these ideas they would had in and fitted it into a two hour film instead yeah, yeah. of two or three seasons it just sort of comes across to me as a human MacGuffin,
3: it's sort of there to facilitate the narrative mm. and not a lot
0: else really they need a way to broadcast this signal and somebody watching the signal broadcaster yeah Yeah.
4: I think sometimes though you have to well obviously you don't have to if you really don't want to but to accept a film and the fact that it is constrained within a two hour arc oh yeah Sometimes you've got to take that things are represented. Yeah. they can't be completely real. You have to,
3: you have to ride sure, with it, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like I said, it doesn't really just track from the overall film, but I just he's the one thing in this movie that doesn't quite sit right with me. But you know, yeah,
8: I don't think he's a major problem. I'm, I'm literally nitpicking here at this point. Yeah, um, just same with the same. But and I don't, I don't think the film would be necessarily better without him. It's just it's just a little thing that at the back of my mind when i watch this film it the film is so great that that his scenes sometimes just nag at me slightly
3: it's that the other characters are so well drawn even the little tiny bit you get of book even if you didn't know anything about him you know there's enough there to hang a coat on but with him there just isn't there's just nothing he's he just stands out as you know, if this has been another movie. This have been a, a bomb movie. It would have made no difference because they're all like that. But you know, in, in terms of in this film, the characters are also well drawn, even with minimal screen time. That he just kind of stands out.
0: There is a difficulty in the fact that he appears to have heavy Asperger's uh, or some syndrome that doesn't allow him to really relate to other people. He has these odd speech patterns and um, seems to spend his entire time only in the company of his love bot.
2: Mm. So Which is it's the difficult bot, to relate. Basically.
0: Yeah, so it's difficult to relate to a character like that Yeah, um, unless you spend all your time at home doing the otaku thing.
4: I would have liked to see how he would have developed... There's lots of things I would have liked to see had they got a second series, but um, was it, Matt, were you saying about how they they may have had ideas of how to develop him as a character Mm -hmm. in an ongoing way? When you said that, I just had this vision of him popping up like where's Wally every episode, buying another bit for his communications mass so that he's gradually accumulating all these monitors and all these keyboards and then eventually when you finally meet him in his own place you get to see what he's been doing with all these bits and pieces he's
10: been <laughs> collecting
4: <laughs> well he kind of comes off to me as if anybody has kind of watched
2: any amount of the x-files he's like very equivalent of A the long Lone yeah yeah it's it's kind of more or less the same thing except he never got the chance to develop they just kind of threw him in there and hoped that he would pull off being what he needed to be. Which, I mean, he does okay, I, I guess, but it's it's I agree he's not very well fleshed out.
0: But before we get back to Mr. Universe, there is the blockade to run, which involves getting a giant storm of Reavers to come chase you. Deeply satisfying moment, that when they enter Atmo and uh, it, mainly down to the fact that you've got the operative who has kept his temper the entire way through the film and that Mal has never been able to get to and has been as cool as a cucumber the whole time and very, very dedicated and very serious about the tragic crimes he's going to have to commit uh, in the name of uh, doing what is right by his leaders. And then he completely freaks out. Name of the leader. Somebody Fire!
8: That entire sequence is really well choreographed, just, you know, as an action sequence. I I think the strength is the fact that you're following this tiny ship, navigating through all these huge capital ships with massive guns that are blowing up all around you, and you feel, like, the pressure on the crew, that, that they're just in this... You know the Firefly is a great ship and all, but it's not a battleship, so it's just desperately trying to survive as all these massive titans clash together. Um, and it's really well shot and well put together.
4: They don't actually have any guns, do they?
8: No. Well, they have that one that they stuck on top.
4: But that uh, I get, the, I got the impression that that's just a visual thing. It's not actually yeah. going
8: to work. Well, they used it to attract the attention yeah, of the they... Reavers, and that's oh, right. about Shooted it. shoot them, yeah. Okay. It didn't seem that effective, to be honest. It, it was a pea-shooter. It managed to take out one, like, small Reaver ship, and then they ran.
0: then what could have been the end of Serenity the the spiralling into Atma again it's it there's a lot of overtones of the uh, tail end of the pilot in this when they get chased by the reaver ship in the very beginning in Serenity and you could frankly you could just watch the pilot Serenity and then the film Serenity and it would still it would mirror itself and it would you'd be introduced to the characters and then you'd see the resolution at the end they would work effectively as a TV movie and then it's uh, cinematic sequel. It's got that same kind of crazy air show footage where, you know, the camera's trying desperately to pull focus and she's spiralling out of control and because Book is dead, a lot of people sort of relaxed and thought, well, you know, Joss Whedon, he has a habit of killing characters. He has killed Book in this one but everyone else is safe. Then they land and Wash gets a poll for him I, it changed everything ultimately this, uh, he is, Josh has gone on record as saying that if they had had a second series of course he wouldn't have killed Wash if they had had a definite sequel of course he wouldn't have killed Wash but he had to serve two masters at this point he had to serve a crowd at the cinema who he wanted to yank the rug out from under and say you know what Everyone could die. Now what do you think? And he had to make it so that, that death wasn't cheap. That you couldn't just get buybacks and have characters go down and then get pulled back up and everyone's fine. And, you know, patched up. And uh, There had to be blood drawn at this point. And also with fans, although he knew it would wrench their hearts out, this was... Ultimately, the closing down of the show, the, the the death of the series that he had loved, it couldn't just be bloodless. They couldn't all just ride into the sunset and everyone's fine.
8: I think the fact that people got so upset is only a testament to how strong a character Wash was. Yeah. Um, and I think Joss made absolutely the right decision. I know there are some people out there who think he should take it back, but I I completely support his decision because what's the point of killing off characters that you don't care about like like Mr Universe yeah it it has to have weight it
6: has to I can't believe he killed Fenty and Mingo <laughs> <laughs> but,
8: yeah but like it, it just and also I I've said this before but when you kill off a character that people really really care about it immortalizes them yeah. uh, Wash is as memorable. I think part of the reason why people love Wash as much as they do now is the fact that he died. I mean, the people would have loved him regardless, but he's kind of held up as one of the better, uh, better characters. And I think his death is to do with very that. good
0: characters. Yeah. yeah, that finite sense of time that you have with him.
2: I don't know no. that any other character on the ship would have really had that same impact, though.
0: If it killed Simon. Kaylee. No. Kaylee. Yeah. If, if they'd killed Kaylee, that, that would have been our part out. But, oh.
4: yeah, I, other than I, yeah, I think that would be it. I think in part that's because of his relationship with Zoe. Mm. Because you've got that. Um, he's He is loved, basically. And you you can see that, not just by. Uh, in a in a random um, metaphysical sense by the the crew as a whole, but he specifically has a, a, a relationship with somebody and is. He has a
0: future outside of the exactly. Celebrity. They could go off and have a life
4: together. Yeah, and for for him to lose that, I mean, I I have to admit, I said this to you. I found Wash's death much more effective on me than uh, Book's death because Book gets this you know, the the dying in the hero's arms moment and he gets to have his final words but for Wash it was that, he was there and then gone and that was it
0: Also Booker's an old man and a celibate at that, he has had his life, he has regretted a lot of it but he is at peace relatively he gets a wonderful prayer in one of the deleted scenes and I really wish they'd left that in but it's a prayer for the dead Lord,
5: I'm walking your way Let me in, for my feet are sore, my clothes are ragged. Look in my eyes, Lord, and my sins will play out on them as on the screen. Read them all. Forgive what you can and send me on my path. I will walk on until you bid me rest.
6: There's also the fact that Wash isn't... A soldier of all of the crew he's one of the ones that was that was never in or not not always in direct conflict mal and zoe and jane what they do is they go and they they enter into combat with people they're firing at people who are firing at them whereas wash is there in the cockpit he's doing you know he's he's a part of the crew but he's got the ship around him he's not in direct danger for him to, to die certainly so quickly and so suddenly is, is a big shock whereas for, for Mal, Zoe and Jane that's always a possibility every second that of, of the, the film and of the series really to a, to a large extent and for Wash, like, likewise with Kaylee um, that, that is, is a big shock for that to happen um, and, and it's just not, not expected for them to die in, in, a, in a fight because that's not what they're there for
8: Zoe's reaction to Wash's death really gets to me every time I see it, because okay. we were talking about how Zoe has this off switch, um, yeah. and when Wash dies, it's almost like that is temporarily broken. She, and um, when she sees him die, uh, you know, she immediately reacts like any wife would. She's like, "Oh come on, be a what you know." Come on, you you need to come with us. But then later on, when they're setting up the barricades, she's back to being I'm a soldier. But it's, you know, it's slightly off. It's not the usual Zoe. It's like Zoe's trying to be the soldier that she usually is. But then halfway through the fight, she lets her emotions get to her and she charges into the Reavers and gets a bit too overzealous. And it's like she can't control herself like she used to
6: that's exactly it before it was her choice to to flip that switch she decided to turn her emotions off or back on again when wash dies she loses that control and and she doesn't have the ability to make that decision which is you know part of who she is and she's now simply reacting like anybody else would but without you know without the the benefit of experience of dealing with those emotions because before she could turn them off and and she goes from from disbelief to shock to anger and then finally kind of settles back in when she gets uh when she gets injured she kind of gets back to her old self temporarily but But yeah that that, that switch is broken at that point
4: yeah she does go into autopilot i think mal actually says Mm -hmm. to her at one point are you here and she says yes sir but she's not
0: the, the the previous times I've seen this, it annoyed me that Zoe's performance was so muted when while she gets killed. She's just like, "Baby, come on!" I thought, "No, she should be going. She should be completely freaking out." But that was before I really understood the character. And from the, when we've talked about her having this switch, of course, she wouldn't freak out at that point. And uh, even. Um, Gina Torres, when they were filming, was saying, I think I should really do it, go, really go for this. And Joss will always say, no, hold it in. Act less. If you cry, they won't cry. If you laugh, they won't laugh. It is far more effective to see a character try not to cry than just a character crying and being a mess.
4: At that point, though, where, she, where they're in the cockpit and she grabs him and shakes him, that is Zoe
6: freaking out. <laughs>
4: that is yeah. the extent to which Zoe is capable
6: of freaking out. This is one who's seen people die and has just gone, they're dead, they're done, and we've got to move on. Countless numbers of times before, she's a very experienced soldier. She's seen people in that exact situation numerous times, but because it's Wash, she can't have that detachment. As Josh said, that, that, that switch is broken, and she just reacts like most people would, which is just, clearly he's not dead. We've got to get him out of here because otherwise he will be. Uh, and it, it's completely against everything she knows. Yeah. And yes, very good job of portraying that. Yeah. The final
0: standoff here is, is, is like a western. It's got a lot of butch and sundance about it. And because Wash is now dead, and because things are all sort of falling into place along this lines, and then so many of the characters get a bullet in them, you start to think, at least when watching it the first time, maybe everyone will die at this point. Now when I first saw it I didn't think that was going to be the case but then in subsequent occasions knowing that it wasn't the case I started to really feel for the characters and seeing what a dire situation they were in and knowing that Josh could at any point have gone you know what, I am going to kill every single one of these guys and draw a line under this series and I'm going to make you guys cry and he didn't and thank god he didn't but um but it felt like that for for quite some time. Anybody know it's just that weird uh, rifle thing that Inara's got? It's
2: not a crossbow, but it's like a it's a bow, isn't it? A powered bow. It's,
0: well, basically in the original filming, she had a bow and arrow. A, a lot of the test audiences laughed at it. They were like, "What bow and arrow? Seriously, that's what she's bringing to this fight?" And there was an earlier um, uh, scene where she was teaching the girls archery, but it still seems like a woefully inadequate weapon to take up against the Reavers. And we've never seen her with any particular abilities in this thing before. So what they did was, in the close-up scene, they overlaid this sort of like double-handed cannon over the bow and arrow and just edited out the actual bow bit. But in some of the shots, you can see she's actually holding a bow. So keep an eye out for that later.
3: Yeah, I must must admit, I thought she had a bow through that entire end bit. So I think I must have seen the bow and not the gun.
0: Yeah. They, they sold the bow accidentally but not the gun that they, <laughs> they, they spent $10,000 on that overlay of the gun but yeah I, I don't know Just, it's, Inara has never really seemed particularly that combat worthy but it would appear she had that thing Okay, so the uh, the other thing that's happening during this last stand when everyone's getting shot, including Kaylee, mirroring the time when she gets shot in the, uh, the pilot, and then Simon, um, Mal is grappling with the operative. And as I said, the one bit that really annoys me is when he, they trade shots with each other, and the operative sort of hides behind a box, and Mal goes, right, I have now finished this particular fight, holsters his weapon, <laughs> turns his back on the operative, jumps up onto some monkey bars, and just tries to get his way to the middle. And it's like... No, seriously, spend an extra couple of seconds actually dealing with him at this point. What do you think's going to happen?
4: He, he's a warrior. I don't get why he just does that. It does yeah. seem very uncharacteristic of Mal.
0: Yeah. He's like, what? he's carrying behind boxes. Clearly, a man I can now turn my back on.
4: He's got a gun!
0: And a sword! Uh, no one's actually talked about River fighting, but again, it's, it's pretty much the same as we said before. It's the same dance, but this time she's holding spiky things.
4: Uh-huh. I think the essence of that bit, just going back to the bit where she um, does the whole throwing herself through the blast doors.
0: Oh yes, of course. Simon, at the point of possible death after he's been shot, apologises to her that he can't protect her anymore that he's tried and he's failed and that that was the one thing he wanted to carry on doing. And she says, it's my time to protect you, which is wonderful.
4: I think there is something very important about the fact that you can see on her face that she does not expect to come back at that point. It's it's an act of what she thinks is going to be self-sacrifice.
6: I don't even think that there's that. It's just that, Something needs to be done, and she's the only person who can even attempt it. So she just goes out there to to shut the door. That's all she's doing. It's not the case of she's going out there and expecting to die. She's just going out there because someone needs to. And no one else can, because everyone else is injured. She's the only person at this point who isn't hurt. And then she goes outside, uh, shuts the door, throws the medicine bag through, and then gets uh, basically dragged away from the door, which is the the only bit of this that I'm I'm not uh, hugely keen on. It just seems to be a bit too slow and a bit too hug almost because um, it just holds on her basically holding her arms out for a beat or two too long I be better if she'd just been snatched away from the door to the side and that was it gone would have been I do like the bit the immediately
0: it. before it when she runs and it goes crash in crash in crash in mm. that's really great bit of uh, action there Mm -hmm. of of sudden determination and realising what she's got to do and then she has another dance with the Reavers and and they do that thing like in From Dust Till Dawn where the ones in the background just go and no one actually really moves to attack her
4: and then the sun comes up and they all fall
2: over that is hardly unique to this movie and From Dust Till Dawn (laughs) (laughs) tons of movies where it's one person fighting a bunch of people Almost if they just kind of realised, hey, films. there's only one person there, <laughs> things would resolve quite a bit differently.
6: But... Well, the Terry Pratchett uh, t- of, uh, has a, a, a take on that as to why that is. But the fewer people that you have on your side, and the more people they have on their side, the more targets you have, and the less they have. So you have the advantage. <laughs> That's Wolverine's theory, I think, as well.
4: <laughs> he just stands there with his claws out and lets them throw themselves onto them.
6: <laughs>
0: Right, so there's the fight with Mal and the operative. I mean, there's actually a lot of things go on over a long time here, but it can be boiled down to there's a last stand, everybody survives. Uh, But the interesting thing about uh, the, the Mal and the operative point is Mal could have killed the operative repeatedly throughout that. Had he done that, they would all have died. It is crucial that the operative survives. It is crucial that Mal changes his ideology. And by doing that, he has to him to look at a world without sin. Yeah,
3: he breaks his, pre- he breaks his preconceptions as to
0: yeah. as to how things are. The thing I love about this is it's a resounding victory for the brown coats. So yeah, uh, Mal changes the operative, and as a result, the operative gets his men to stand down. But there's that point where they're all at gunpoint, and at that stage, had Mal killed the operative, it would have just been Butch and Sundance. Mal comes out, and they would just have been shot to pieces. That was like... Mal went for the paragon ending rather than the renegade ending <laughs> which would have ended up with them all being killed
8: I, there was a moment where because um, they patch up the ship and they're all you know get together and they're happy again there's a moment where Mal is outside the ship and he's talking to the operative and I thought for a second and I, I when this is when I first watched it and I think I'm stu- stupid for thinking this now
0: you're not stupid I thought the same
8: that the operative was going to join the crew.
4: Yep, I thought
0: that too. I think the main reason why he didn't is because they wouldn't have been able to guarantee Chiwetel 4 could ever come back if they ever wanted to continue it. They'd be like, he joined and then he didn't again. That way at least they could leave it that, you know, maybe if we do a sequel, maybe the operative comes back. But to join the regular crew... I mean, he... They weren't even sure that Alan Tudyk and Ron Glass could come back, so they killed them. That's how much...
3: Yeah, he could almost replace Book, though, couldn't he? He could fulfil that role.
0: Yeah, there's a void there now. In fact, it feels almost like he could go off and uh, you know join a a monastery at this point Uh and uh, study to become a shepherd himself. Because the the way he says there is nothing left, he is shrouded at this point in shadow, and he's all of that arrogance and the. the assuredness of who he is and and who he's serving is gone completely. He now needs to fill a void himself.
4: Which is what you see in Book throughout the series, that he's constantly questioning the things that he's done with his old life.
0: Well, had he not killed Book and a whole bunch of other people, maybe Mal would have been a bit more predisposed to him, but I think a lot of people would have gone, no, wait, hang on, you can't let him on your ship. And so it's better to leave it on a note of ambiguity and, like, maybe they'll cross paths again. Maybe Mel will kill him. Maybe they'll join up.
4: Is there a missing scene where the operative and Book meet and there's a huge paradox and the world explodes?
0: No, that's crazy.
8: (laughs) 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 Book was not an operative.
4: I know, but almost.
8: I know what you're saying, Sharon. There are are parallels to be made. Yeah.
4: Yeah. But if we're doing this whole imaginary Firefly in ten years thing then it, it's quite easy to see how, yes, the operative could go off and, you know, join a, an abbey somewhere and then come back.
8: I'm book number two.
4: Yeah.
0: Book two.
10: <laughs> <The> <laughs>
0: <sequel>. <laughs> Ironically, in Time Cop, the uh, guy who did meet a younger version of himself and Goal Wibbly was played by Ron
8: Silver. Not Ron Glass. If you want to talk about bad movies, let's talk about Time Cop. I don't want to talk about that. Can we
4: not? I'm hungry. <laughs> he has
0: karate power. It's only like a fragment of a moment, um, is uh, when uh, Mal talks to Zoe and says uh, how's she holding up and she says something along the lines of, you know, she's been through the wars, but she'll hold together. Obviously she's talking about serenity. Somebody that I read the notes on said that Zoe could be talking about Mal there, as in he's been through the wars, but he'll hold together. I like to interpret that most as... Is talking about
8: herself. So, yeah, that's, the way that's how I done. interpreted it.
0: Yeah, Alice saying, "Are you with us? Yeah, will you be okay? Because they don't have long involved conversations. They speak only in code. And uh, River and Simon get it on uh, appropriately in the engine River room. and Simon
4: get it back on. Back up, Kaylee and Simon. Oh
0: <laughs> in Appalachia." <laughs> <laughs> On some planets, but bad ones. Okay, then Simon and Kaylee get it on, and River watches. Mm. Oh, is it now? Is it less creepy?
4: <laughs> yes, that's still less creepy.
8: It's creepy, It's, totally it's just... creepy, But it's less creepy. Yeah, it's still massively
6: creepy, just not quite so massively creepy.
0: Thanks for that one, Joss. <laughs>
4: Am I the only person who doesn't think that that is all that creepy?
3: No, I don't. I don't think it's that creepy. It's his
4: sister. She's nope, just sorry. curious. It's she's, yeah, sorry, she's, she's just curious. She's just siblings spy on each other. That's... that's no, not when they're doing as that. As genius as, yeah. genius oh, of as she is, do.
10: she
2: understands <laughs> what sex is, all right? Well, she does uh, intellectually.
8: Brother! But... Oh, never mind. <laughs>
0: I'm afraid Jane, with his finger puppets, did not educate her enough.
4: Whoa. Finger puppets are... I bet. That's
2: creepy. I was helping.
0: And then Petunia the crocodile said,
2: Oh, I really want us a man.
0: I'll be in my bunk with the finger puppets and then um, it would appear that uh, because I don't think there was a co-pilot station there before but when they rebuilt Serenity um, they have made uh, the console something that both Mal and River can operate on different sides uh, so that Mal can teach her how to pilot there is now a void where the crazy was and we don't really need that void filled but there is definitely a gap for a pilot so she is fulfilling that aspect of Serenity and she is making her whole again because, appropriately, she is now whole.
8: Does anyone else get really choked up during yes. the Mao speech? absolutely. It's so perfect. it's this great way to sum up the series. You know what the first rule of flying is? Well, I suppose you do, since you already know what I'm about to
5: say.
7: I do. But I like to hear you say it.
5: Love... You learn all the math in the verse. If you take a boat in the air that you don't love, she'll shake you up just as sure as a turn the world. Love keeps her in the air when she ought to fall down. Tells you she's hurting for she keens. Makes her home.
7: Storm's getting worse.
5: We'll pass through it soon enough.
8: Someone else talk. We can we're all crying.
10: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A final wonderful hidden secret that I found out researching for this show. Joss Whedon has revealed in recent years that at the end of Serenity, Zoe Elaine Washburn is pregnant. it that is that may well by all likelihood be the last we ever really see of the crew of serenity on our screens
3: i say in all honesty I hope it is I'm not I'm not one of these people who wants to really see it come back
0: I'm, I would what about Battlestog oh hang on
3: <laughs> no
0: <laughs> what are you going to make what point are you going to make Uh, It was going to be, what about bringing back Battlestar Galactica and how great that was and how many people loved that show. They
3: didn't bring back Battlestar Galactica, they made something different that used the same name.
0: (laughs) Sorry, worst person in the world to make that example to.
2: My mom agrees with you, by the way.
0: Oh, for goodness. I didn't say there's anything
3: wrong with the new one, I just said I prefer the old one because I grew up with it.
2: Can't make a judgement because I can't watch it yet
0: you will be able to at some point it'll be better than Dark Shadows drumming my
2: fingers on my desk hang on didn't your mum
0: say that she Dark Shadows was a drama and she liked it as a drama then they made it into a comedy and she was angry and Battlestar Galactica is a comedy and then they turn it into a drama and she liked it as a comedy and she's angry
2: and
4: (laughs) your mum gets angry a (laughs) lot just don't change
8: genres she just doesn't
2: like things to be changed all that much from the way they were in the 70s
8: (laughs) Just, just to um,
0: have you heard disco these days they completely changed that
3: I think a better example is something uh, well I kind of a British thing but something like um,
0: Doctor Who yeah they should never have bought that back. they should yeah, never have made like, that in the first
2: place she does place. like Doctor Who
0: <laughs> but, oh, but, god another thing to add to the list oh, of things that are that 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 actually really good you can
3: put that at the top of the list I, I've i loathed Doctor Who even since I was a kid can't stand it
2: we can't be friends anymore I'm sorry <laughs>
3: utter rubbish even David Tennant all of them utter rubbish garbage
0: what were you going to say as your example although you do you do realize you are discrediting your opinion discrediting. every second I'm not
3: discrediting anything <laughs> I d- just don't like Doctor Who it's terrible science fiction but anyway um...
8: I, w- I would agree with you there like the strength of Doctor Who in my opinion is the dialogue and the characters but the actual world has no rules it's just dare sex machina after dare ex machina. Yeah,
0: and don't forget giant crabs. Precisely. But carry on, please. Get, Forty on. towers
3: was the example I was going to make. Was the, I was going to give in that they only made whatever it was. I think it, 12. Twelve, and yep. that was enough. I know there was everyone who wanted them to make more, but in hindsight, that would have been the worst thing they could have possibly have done. And I, I know that. You know, we can speculate...
0: Forty Towers well, didn't have so many unanswered questions at the
3: end, so many characters waiting to be devolved. I don't have... No, I disagree. I don't have any unanswered questions. I feel like there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to this. I did... Serenity, to me, the film feels like the end. You know, that's... Hmm. And-
0: it was designed that way, yeah. to be the... The, the, the same
3: thing... Well, the same thing should have happened with Twin Peaks, but didn't. But, hmm. you know that you know, that kind of ended... Well, no, it did. That, to be fair, it did. It ended. It ended properly, but it ended.
0: X Files. Who said that it, it was? Leah actually said that it went on for far, m- far longer than it needed. Yeah, to. that was. Yes. And you were a big fan of the X Files. I was. Yeah, well, I I, I,
3: I, yeah, I like the X Files as well. Like I was said last time though it does frighten the willies out of me, but yeah, I think that was that was like <laughs> three seasons too long. You know? At
0: least. Yeah. So, is it better to be too short? Would appear so.
3: I think we've had enough in the fact that we had, what, was it 13 episodes plus a movie? 14 14 episodes episodes plus a movie. That, I mean, okay, for a US show, 14 episodes is quite small, but for a British series, that's like two two seasons plus a movie. I think I'm more than happy with that.
2: I would have liked to see it go longer while it was going, but I don't. I, I'm actually kind of with Gary on this one. I don't think that I will. I want it to come back. I, I it, at least not in its current form. If they do something, if they were to do something different, like to make it an animated series or to
0: do—is its current form a movie, by the way? Because it did change from TV
2: to movie. I more meant so. that I don't want to see the current or the uh, the original cast come back and. Unless maybe they're doing voice acting, I just don't. I don't think that I. I, I want that. I just I'd, and and since the cast was what w- was what made it made it really worth it for me. I'm not sure that I want it back at all.
3: I don't even think that world can be visited again because it's fundamentally changed at the end of Serenity.
10: Yeah.
3: good point.
0: They'd have to deliberately so. it to a different version of it.
3: Yeah, I. I just I was was I'd rather have something completely different. Sort of maybe inspired by it, but something totally different.
6: I've said, uh, certainly on the last podcast and and on uh, the Digital Gonzo forums, uh, the Gonzo Planet forums, that I don't really, I don't think it's going to come back and I kind of don't want to because the risk of it being terrible is too great. I'd rather keep the series and the film as they are, which is pretty much universally excellent, than risk having something go horribly wrong and I don't think that it could come back and be as good and, well and, hang on
0: just to bring back Red Dwarf series like 3 through 6 were excellent and then 7 and 8 and sucked and 9 really sucked um, so I mean, you know, it, that doesn't diminish the fact that the
6: middle series were great no but, but it doesn't it's not necessary. I, I just think the risk is too great. I wouldn't want to see it being done badly. I'd rather just keep it as it is.
8: Josh? I am kind of in the middle in that I'm happy for it to end here, but if they were to continue it, I'd be fine with that too. But I do get what you're, you guys are saying in that it's kind of like this perfect thing. that Because it's so short and all the episodes are pretty damn good, it's this perfect thing that's has no real clear flaws to it. Um, And if you had a series that went on for ages with several seasons, like I feel that way about Dexter in that Dexter has some absolutely fantastic seasons, but there are a couple that I think are really weak. And despite the fact that there are seasons in it that are really great, those weak ones do damage my overall feeling of the show. And with Firefly, because it's just all great... I just, it elevates the whole thing in my mind as being one of the best TV shows ever. Mm.
6: There's also the fact that it's Sharon? been such a long time Oops. that uh, if it had been you know, a year or two years after the series ended and then the film came out and it was still a year after that, uh, I'd, I'd perhaps have more hope. But it's been, what, seven years since the film came out? And it's just been too long. And I'd rather just draw a line underneath it and know that there's nothing else and, and let. Joss Whedon move on to, to bigger things and the rest of the cast move on to bigger things. Or, or other things, anyway. <laughs> uh, Sharon?
4: I think for me, the what's captivated me the most is the, the world itself. And I'm quite keen, shall we say, um, to absorb anything and everything that I can get my hands on that, that relates to this world. I want to read the comics. I want to try and track down the Serenity novelization. I would really like to play the RPG. Um, and anything else that could be put together, I would embrace wholeheartedly. I doubt very much that they're going to do anything else live action. I think an animated series would be a really good idea and a really good way of doing it however I do agree that Joss needs to be allowed to let it go when he is ready to let it go because I think that would be quite a tragedy if he reached the point where he didn't need to do more with it but because it had got to such a point that people kept saying no you must come back and do this now we own you then his heart wouldn't be in it and it wouldn't be the same
0: I agree that absolutely no one has the right to demand this of Joss but from what I hear of every time he's been asked about this he's just, no one is at this point interested in doing it Mm. Uh, financially speaking everyone who was creatively involved with it would come back in a heartbeat a hummingbird's heartbeat and jump straight into this
4: Anything, um, anything more Joss is willing to do, even if it ends up being with a different cast, I mean, you'd, you'd probably be able to get at least some of them, but even if it ended up being a different cast, if Joss was willing to do it, I will happily lap up at... No, that sounds wrong. I will... Um,
0: <laughs> like kittens under a tower. <laughs> I,
4: I will uh, happily absorb anything else that Joss wants to put out in this universe, but I think that's... That would be up to him.
6: Oh, I'd, I'd watch it, absolutely. In the same way I've watched all the episodes of Red Dwarf after season six. Um, it doesn't change the fact that they're not very good. But I, w- I would watch it. I just I don't think it's needed at this point. It's too late. Necessary?
0: Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? <laughs> no. But I do it anyway, because it's sterile and I like the taste. I, however, am a futurist and I see things very much on a long time scale, and I consider it something like 99% likely, that at some point in the next thousand years, this is going to be remade. A remade is almost certainly going to happen at some point. And there you go. I, it doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with Joss Whedon. He could have been dead for centuries at this point, but this... is a different thing then, at that point. ...is not going away. This has now gone beyond entertainment and it is now an idea. And you can't kill an idea. It's an ideology. It is something that people have brought to their hearts. And people are finding out about Firefly every day. We have introduced people to Firefly as a result of this. And the fact that it's not going away will bring it back at some point. And I hope I'm around at the time. But if not, then I hope my grandkids are. Okay. Before we go, Leah, Sharon, and Matt, when's the next episode of Dorkcast out, and what will you be talking about on it specifically?
2: Uh, well, we actually just had an episode out, uh, what's today, Friday? Uh, two days ago, and that was our Halloween episode. Spooky. Yes.
10: <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> um,
2: on which we talked about uh, Halloween-themed uh, books movies uh and games um I, next episode will be in two weeks and i don't i don't know what we're
4: talking about yet i i have one idea
2: okay good go
4: somebody um i think it was dan ragnar um tweeted today asking all three of us if there was a book or books that we thought were terrible, that were incredibly popular or had been recommended. I don't normally like it, when from people angle for the, what things do you hate that everybody else loves? Go on, go on, pick holes in something. <laughs> However.
0: Bear in mind that Liz might be listening to this.
4: No, one. that's fine. No, I had this discussion with him already. <laughs> we don't need to mention the T word. It did get brought up in the spooky episode anyway, so. <laughs> um, but, um, no, uh, I, I've... <sighs> I think I'm going 50 to... Fifty Shades? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to bite the bullet and read Fifty Shades. It's available... You better not get it on Kindle. It's £2.69 on Kindle.
6: God! It'll be <laughs> infecting my Kindle! <laughs> I, just it I on must burn
2: my it with Kindle fire. Read it on my iPad. <laughs> He's fine. Or on my iPod if you want. You know what, Sharon? I will I will commit it. to this. If, you, if you're if you going to read it, I... Oh, God, help me. I but will read it too.
0: Will we get um, live readings Bad.
2: of it?
4: I think we may have well, to read out some of the words. <laughs> maybe.
0: Okay, you heard it here first, folks, and tune in. For Whether that.
4: you wanted to or not,
0: <laughs> you heard it. You can't unhear it. <laughs> Matt, uh, which episodes of Dork Tunes is your very favourite? Because I've asked you about the one that's coming out soon, uh, but you could definitely point towards an older one which people could check out.
6: You asked me that last week, and I pointed
0: you um, out. Point out a different episode. <laughs> now, last week I asked you what, uh, when the you next one was coming the first out. the no, no. <laughs> last, last week you asked me to. to Point out a favourite one. I've got a. What number is the one which has grappling with Gruntilda and uh, the Starline remix of that one in Child of Eden? Because that was a
6: fantastic episode. I think it's three. But that was yeah. Uh, Obviously, it was a good episode. They're all good episodes, but. uh...
2: Oh God! I just (laughs) finished your reading. That God! What have I done? (laughs) You (laughs) fool! Hunger has made my brain break
0: well it's one of the early ones folks and check those early shows out because uh, it's worth listening in fact, to the entire back catalog you've only done like 11 and they go so quickly
6: episode 13 is currently in the editing room fantastic if I ever get time to actually do any editing it'll be oh it's
0: you doing the editing
6: yes and Gary tell the folks an older episode of Game
0: Burst that they should check out if they like Firefly so something thematically similar me. Something sci-fi related. Okay. Um... Or cowboy related. Did you do a Red Dead one? Well, we
3: have done Red Dead, and we've done Mass Effect as well.
0: That's probably two good ones to suggest, then.
3: The two I'll, re- I'll recommend, then, are the Game Burst replay we did on Red Dead Redemption, mm-hmm. uh, which was way back in July. 5th of July, I you're looking for that. Uh, we did Mass Effect 2 Lair of the Shadow Broker and that was way back in on the 1st of March
0: and I was on that show as I recall. You were, yeah. so if you played Lair of the Shadow Broker if not spoilers uh, but this is a recommendation right now if you haven't played Lair of the Shadow Broker you have Mass Effect 2 get Lair of the Shadow Broker if you don't have Mass Effect 2 for the love of god get Mass Effect 2 <laughs> it's like Firefly and Joshua, same scenario with which Kane and Rince episodes cover games similar in tone to Serenity? And, of course, you can also point out Red Dead and Mass Effect, if you want.
8: Well, it just so happens that we did episodes on Red Dead and Mass Effect 1 and 2. Um, it's You know what? We should do
0: a Gonder episode on Red Dead and one on Mass Effect. Uh,
8: yeah, so basically it's the same thing that Game Burst did, except we go into spoilers okay. uh, and... You know, we're dissecting it in a lot more detail. So, listen to those. Stay tuned for some outtakes at the very end.
0: We're going to finish on Mal's song, which is the end credits music to the documentary Done the Impossible. This is sung by Michelle Dockray. I'd like to thank my crew for reviewing this one with me and this entire series. You guys have been absolutely fantastic, and we have had three three-hour sessions where i've kept you up pretty much to midnight each time and leah is starving to death i can hear her becoming emaciated on the other end i'm
2: eating my fingers
0: (laughs) (laughs) and if we're very lucky she'll do it in that
10: order
2: (laughs) (laughs) right
0: we'll be back very soon with lord of the rings podcasts until then stay shiny What was that? that? Serenity. Yes. Have you finished playing Metal Gear Solid yet?
2: Have I finished? No, but I stopped.
0: Okay, right. There's a difference. <laughs> At some point in the podcast, I ask you something and you go, What? And I hear <laughs> in the background <laughs> off the podcast straight away.
2: I turned it off.
0: Thank you. I actually I once had to stop Actually, no, it wasn't me. Midge was playing StarCraft on GameWorks. Oh, worst, he was point.
3: doing it yesterday when we recorded the news. He was playing Football Manager. Is he That's still
8: hard. doing that?
3: That's bad form. Uh, he was just doing this click, 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 click click, and I stopped him and said, are you playing Football Manager? And he went, no. And it went very quiet. <laughs> He was doing So that not
4: with... only did he do it, he lied about it.
3: Yeah, everything is, you know, as you know, when you got a, when you got a three year old, you spot lying <laughs> very <Absolutely>. quickly.
4: <laughs> it was that
3: kind of silence. No,
0: <laughs>
4: it was that yes, I have cleaned my teeth kind That's
0: of it. lie. That's the one. <laughs> well, like or something obvious that you can actually catch them out on, like in two seconds. Did you wash your hands? Yes. Can I feel your hands? And then they bolt yes. <laughs> back towards the bathroom. Yeah, fine.
10: you
4: can't get a oh, fib past a parent.
0: That'll be the phone. Uh, that's the. End. Not a lazy fib. Hold on a second. So, did it, did anyone see either of those YouTube videos that I sent out?
3: I watched I the have, first one. Oh,
0: thank you. Goodbye. The doc. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Sorry, some.
0: Right, what were they trying to sell you? Oh,
3: something about. Some, yeah, my wife's laughing downstairs because she picked up as well. I don't
0: know, some Indian chap from us or something.
10: <laughs> I, had get some, that
0: far. <laughs> I had some bloke the other day go, yes, and he's had a terrible line. Is there something that I can yes. confirm that there has been an accident in the house that was reported? And I said, nope, wrong house. Sort
3: of it was something like, I don't know what his name was, Gurav, and he said, but you can call me Derek. Are you having a good evening? And I was like, no, thank you, goodbye.
0: (laughs) Was? Yeah. Don't write (laughs) in saying that's racist. It's not.
3: (laughs) Okay. What's racist is making them use English names, I think. I mean, you know, most of my team at work are in India, and we don't make them use fake English names. I think it's appalling that they make them do that.
8: I, I once had a guy call me up saying we understand you're having issues with your computer, Mr. Garrity, and we have solutions oh, yeah. to fix it. And then I asked him, what computer do I have? Um, uh, and then hung up. Because-
10: <laughs> <laughs>
8: what a well-known <laughs> scam, that one. No yeah. idea. Is that the one where they basically
0: get you to um, hook your computer up for them to operate remotely? Yes. Yeah. Oh, for God's
3: sake. <laughs> yeah.
2: Can, okay. can I ask a question?
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: Does caller ID not exist over there? Well, they use, Well because it
0: always comes up as unknown.
2: Yeah, so why do you answer it? If it comes up unknown, it's obviously somebody that you don't know, because yeah, otherwise it keeps ringing.
3: Yeah, they use international... They dial internationally,
0: so it comes out international numbers, so it doesn't
2: this use, says, We get the same thing, it's just we don't answer it.
10: Yeah.
0: Mm. Well, unfortunately, um, I'm usually... Pod, I'm, I'm editing... And I can't just stare at the phone going off over and over again yeah. on my kitchen table while
6: I'm editing. Also, so caller ID does exist, but you have to pay for it. I'm not mm. giving BT any more of my money than I absolutely have
0: to. And if they can block their number, they will. Yeah. In which case, it'll come. It's
3: to actually, block. yeah, a lot of it's we have a preference, but um, they can still get around that by just using international number. So mm. useless.
2: I solved this problem in my old apartment by not having a phone.
3: <laughs> yeah, so well, fun. that's yeah. I used I to. Sell
2: if you, yeah. if you actually need to get a hold of me, then you have my cell phone number.
3: Same here. Before, I, before my, my wife and I moved in together, I didn't have a home phone. I just had cell phones. Cause I, used to, I worked for a big mobile phone company, so I just got used to not having a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never had any calls. And in fact, I never give out my home number to anyone. So nearly all these calls are for my
10: wife.
0: <laughs> but there
1: you go.
0: Uh, Matt, before we start, did I mention I have a Kindle Fire HD? <sighs> <laughs>
6: You, sir, are an asshole. (laughs) It's
0: so awesome,
6: though. Shut... I've said it before, and I'll say again. Shut the fuck (laughs) up. (laughs) (laughs) Should we
10: start? Yeah. Okay.
6: Okay. Digital...
0: Is there a tapping sound? It won't happen again. That's okay. Um, uh, uh, From now on, if I have to type, I'm going to mute myself, because you can actually hear me going on the previous shows and I, I didn't mute that and get rid of it. Game faces on, folks. Eyes on the prize, gentlemen, let's do this. <laughs> Leah, what's it like with the whole British thing?
2: <laughs> what? That's not even a question. Right, <laughs> what right, what? I, oh, I don't know, okay. I wow. didn't even understand what you just said.
0: Okay, um And it's more not because I was playing
2: Metal Gear because I wasn't. <laughs>
0: okay right this is like one of the first I don't know if this can even uh, turn into a proper answer but this is one of the first significant British characters oh what am I talking about badger yeah, yeah you know what chuck that out the window <laughs> and uh, pretty okay. much every movie
3: made of the bad guys in British or English so it's Banty and Mingo as well yeah.
0: Yeah. oh here's a little thing British uh, yeah well that's true oh, we, we play bad guys I'm yeah thank you Alan Rickman
4: in... Except for the socialists, and they're even more evil.
0: Actually, I think it might be to do with Laurence Olivier from um, uh,
8: Marathon Man. He's very good at playing a totally vicious British. I man. think it's because Americans are scared of people who are more intelligent than they are. Oh! <laughs> Could there be something in that layer?
0: Uh, I take that back. Did
2: you back. really just ask me yeah. that? <laughs>
0: second sign that Josh is a colossal racist. <laughs> <sighs> Please note that Josh but, is not a racist. It's possible Chiwetel for is smarter than everyone, if, the way he if, himself.
2: If I said that all British people are racist, would that be racist and therefore ironic? Okay.
0: Yes, it would. <laughs> okay, moving on from the <laughs> Nazism... Uh, film for the first time because I haven't seen the somewhat more jolly version of Mal in the TV series. This is... Sorry. Ow! All Sorry. Right.
3: <laughs> that was loud. <laughs> that was loud. Hello? All right. Let me get rid of this phone.
0: Who is it?
2: I kind of like the picture of him just opening the window and chucking the phone. That's <laughs> exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Away with <laughs> you! Let me get rid of this phone. Boom! Pitch. <laughs> and it explodes when it hits the ground, like when Shake something. <laughs> like when
6: Shake says something, yes!
0: I Thank you for even mentioning that reference. Quite. Seriously. Sharon, do I or do I not occasionally, when I'm in a very ratty mood, just sort of, you know, push something else towards you and say, take it away, burn it?
2: <laughs> Frequently, yes. <laughs> is this yours? <laughs> That's not mine. Because it's gone. You're broken one by the arse it time
11: Keep looking and it's out of here. What kind of crap is this? Did an elephant paint this? It
0: annoys me. It offends me. It must be destroyed.
11: Take it away. Destroy it!
0: Right, All done. I get that. <laughs> There's not enough of... Mal bickering with Anara is great fun, and, um, you know, would have been nice for some earlier aspects of the film. It's a lot less of a sort of serious ride when they're together doing their...
4: Excuse me.
2: Are we boring you? (laughs)
4: Well, at this point, I think he'd be boring himself. (laughs) (laughs) What? Look...
0: I am talking about something absolutely fascinating. Why would I be bored? I am tired. There's a difference.
8: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: I don't know. Beatrice and Benedict. I don't know. I'm tired now. I've lost my thread. Um So yeah, he gets an Aura back and uh and then there's that thing there and she's there, on there with the stuff.
4: <laughs> would you like a coffee, dear?
0: Uh, Oh, I'm going to finish my milk check. (laughs) But if you're just nihilistic and you batter your way through the universe, you're going to burn. Not in hell, just that you're going to suffer as a result of it. You're going to find yourself... Oh, that sounds dreadfully condemning. Hang on, rewind, sorry.
2: What? I'm sorry. No, I, you go going to hell
0: if you don't believe. You're going to hell.
2: I just... No. The, the, on, the, let, let me finish it off. I'm sorry. No, go go, go,
0: go, yeah.
2: go. Right. I, it was stupid. I just... Nihilism. I, I can only ever think about the guy Who believes me. in nothing,
0: Lebowski? <laughs> nothing. And tomorrow we come back and we cut up your chances. <laughs> <laughs>
10: that
0: must be exhausting.
2: That was my immediate thought. It must be exhausting.
0: <laughs> I mentioned yesterday uh, even though this may have been nothing to do with what Joss Whedon originally intended Miranda writes, you have the right to remain silent, anything at all you can you say can and will be used against you and um, yep, they're pretty silent uh, was Uranus, I don't know if you want to
6: I was just about to say that <laughs> cut that one in
0: <laughs> Uranus is also pretty silent <laughs> you said Uranus. <laughs> I think that planet needs to be renamed.
3: I think it's high time. Well, I think a lot of people pronounce it. I think it's
0: Uranus. It's Uranus that properly pronounce it? Yeah.
8: What's it it the the
0: like Childish like me then?
8: <laughs> <laughs> What's the joke in Futurama where they do actually change its name? To Urectum. <laughs> <laughs>
10: That's the second!
0: Futurama gang in as many minutes. War were declared. is also from Futurama.
6: Scruffy, the janitor.
0: He's got a gun! And a sword!
6: And has beaten the shit out of him once already. Yeah. Can't say shit. So, beaten, beaten hell <laughs> out of him once already. I
0: really am looking forward to being able to swear again, but we won't be able to unload the rings. <laughs> so,
6: you know what? You know what we'll be able to swear on?
0: Deadwood.
6: Are you going to be you looking up... Um, Vice City yeah. we can swear on, Alex, don't worry. You, looking up mid-what? Uh, 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 Elven swear yeah, words. Swear words yeah. <laughs> Swearing in cinder. Uh, surely
3: there must there must be some sort of hobbit. Uh, uh, you
0: know what? Curses. I will look for some. Yeah. <laughs> I
3: will. <laughs> I imagine they're quite potty-mouthed.
8: A
0: lot, a lot of orc
8: cuss words. I imagine the dwarves are pretty dirty. Yeah, they're potty-mouthed <laughs> as
3: well, yeah. Any, any of them, apart from the elves, they're probably the ones that don't swear.
8: Oh,
0: I like swearing.
6: I really do. I love it's big, and it's clever, Frank. It's expressive. It's not clever or big, but it's expressive.
0: You feel something very significantly. It's a good way of underlining it.
8: It's sentence seasoning. You're adding it a bit puts of it salt in, to the sentence.
0: It puts it in bold.
3: <laughs> I could have a fascinating conversation about swear words with you as well. It's one of my pet subjects.
0: As in things you like or don't like?
3: No, no, um, about the origin of them and how we shouldn't be so twee and coy about them. I like the fact that the quality newspapers in this country all quite blatantly use words like <laughs> without any... Uh, on the, other, the front it's, page it's, on occasion, no less. Oh, the Guardian, yeah, only two days ago had it on the front page, but yet the sun will put asterisks on the word <laughs> I just Charlie Brooker actually pointed out
6: page three girls. In a exactly. page with an eight, a barely eighteen year old girl's boobs on it, yeah. Yeah.
3: You shouldn't we shouldn't be ashamed of uh of swear words. They have a long and uh, a lot of them have very sort of traditional meanings. So there you go. Are
0: you a pedo? Are you a pedo sixteen today, bender over a cake? Are you a pedo? <laughs> Russell <laughs> Howard Yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> Don't go outside! It's full of queer blacks and crime. Oh, only Diana,
10: Diana
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, you should really read some British newspapers. Illuminating
2: stuff. I'm staring blankly at a wall, basically. Um... <laughs>
4: See if your nook can get international newspapers.
2: Um, <laughs> it probably can't, but my iPad... Oh, it's iPad. an e-reader. I hate you so much right now.
0: <laughs> focus, 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 focus. Uh, not being able fight. to
2: swear has broken your brain. It has. Hey, you know it's, well, a, it's given us show <laughs> where we can swear whatever we want.
0: Okay, right. So Deadwood that that will be with the time when we just just effing and jeffing. Looking forward to that.
2: Who's Jeff? <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's friend of F.
2: <laughs> I was just curious.
0: It's a victory that they could that is not won by force of arms. It's exposing a truth that the Alliance have been trying to hide and hide and cover up. But it's, su- it's done in such a way that is irrevocable that they can't cover up. They can't pretend that didn't happen.
2: Alex, irrevocable.
0: Anyone? Is it
4: irrevocable? Yes.
0: Irrevocable. In England?
4: Irrevocable I, irrevocable, I would have said.
2: Irrevocable.
0: Irrevocable. Okay, but just to double check, because aluminum is America.
4: For <laughs> here. I, I would say... I would Irrevo- say irrevocable.
0: Sigh. Okay, you know what? I'm going to say both.
10: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is a truth that is irrevocable and irrevocable.
12: <laughs> <laughs> when the stars shine bright through the engine's trail And the dust of another world drops behind When my ship is free of the open sky, it's a damn good day to my way of mind. There's a barren planet you never can leave. There's a rocky valley where we lost a war. There's a cross once hung around a soldier's neck. There's a man's faith died on serenity's floor. But I stood my ground and I'll fly once more oath that I ever swore so take my love take my land take me where I cannot stand I don't care I'm still free you can't take the sky from me take me out into the black tell I ain't coming back From me, you can't take the sky from me. When you see a man and he's standing alone, well, you might just take him for an easy mark. And there's many a man has tried his hand, and there's worse than wolves in the borderland. Oh, from the savage men to the government hounds Try to take what's yours and tear you through Ah, but them that run with me's got my back It's a fool, don't know that his family's his crew Don't you tell me what I cannot do Don't you think I've got to run from you So take my love, take my Sky from me take me out into the black. Tell Tell 'em I ain't coming back. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. You can't take the sky. From When you've walked my road and you've seen what I've seen, well you won't go talking about righteous men. You'll know damn well why I wanna keep to my sky and never cry neath nobody's heel again. I've seen torment break across innocent souls, seen sane men mad and good men die. I've been hounded, hated, married and tricked I've been tortured, cheated, shot and died. You won't see no tears when I say goodbye I still got my family and my firefly So take my love, take my land Take me where I cannot stand I don't care take the sky from me. Take me out into the black. Tell them I ain't coming back. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. You can't take the sky from me.